everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity Rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk about it. A reminder, this is not a spoiler-free podcast, especially something like this one. Uh, Chances are there's some stuff that may come up from future episodes of Felicity. And if you're okay with that, you're in the right place. I am Melissa and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing after this episode? I think there's there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um I think I think we're gonna we're gonna do it justice, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's gonna be interesting. That's our plan. I mean, buckle up, folks. Buckle up for season two, episode 12, The Slump. Apparently the second part of a two-parter interrupted by a <laughs> by a something, uh, Help for the Lovelorn. This one aired February 6th of 2000. It was written, oh, this makes a lot of sense. It was written by J.J. Abrams and directed by Matt Reeves. Yeah, I saw yep. that. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Episode description. Felicity is pushed to unravel her tortured feelings over her parents' breakup during mandatory sessions with the counselor, Amy Aquino, part (laughs) of Felicity's punishment for drinking underage and breaking into the university swimming pool with Ben. Meanwhile, Elena is distracted by her hunky new lab partner and Ben balks at seeing the counselor despite the threat of expulsion. Um, You know what, Fish, I always throw it to you first. I just want to make a quick true confession here. That may not surprise anybody if you've been hearing me set this episode up. I love Dr. Pavan. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. This is probably only the 10th (laughs) time I've said that over the course of the last like hour when we watched the episode and when we tested our audio. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean it. And I'm sure I will wax poetic about Dr. Pavone here today. (laughs) Um, But that may not be where we want to start fish. Where do you want to begin? Well, I kind of want to ask, I mean, have you ever met anyone like Dr. Pavone? That is why I love her so much. So I wish I had a Dr. Pavone at that point in my life. And I think it probably helped me that Felicity had one and I was watching the show, (laughs) but um, like, I also was somebody who could not talk about what was going on in my head, even with my closest friends. And I didn't really have anybody that I could talk to about things that bothered me that wasn't like directly impacted by those things or, or, you know, like that didn't have some sort of a vested interest and Pavone, you know, Pavone's a therapist, she's a counselor. And so that's a very specific role for her to take. And I suppose you would come to expect that if you had a a therapist or a counselor in your own life. But I imagine like, you know, I didn't really have a teacher or professor that I was talking to in this way either. And partly because I, even if somebody could have filled that role, I wasn't letting them, I wasn't talking to them. So 
to watch this in one episode unfold the way it has. And it's not going to be the last time we see Pavone, but in one episode, um, you know, just what she draws out. The, yeah. the really important uh, responsibility taking realization, having moments that we get in this episode, which wouldn't happen this quickly, but gosh, I do kind of wish that I would have had a Dr. Pavone, but I have this Dr. Pavone. That's true. Makes At me the happy very that least, I have her. Yeah. We have Tony Pavone here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I just want to, I mean, let's get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. We start with a Dear Sally tape. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I I let loose quite an exclamation the moment I saw Felicity just sitting on her bed, poised, yep. poised, ready to hold up the tape to Sally. Oh, this episode is going to get dinged more than 0.5 for this, because in the last episode, they made it really clear that they thought these were ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and Melissa supplied some very strong language that suggested Felicity no longer leave these tapes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's that's why I was not prepared to say that Felicity was never going to leave another tape for Sally, but this woman has got to get this together. Maybe (laughs) Maybe Pavone's presence in her world will caused the shift i can't remember when felicity stops leaving tapes for sally and i wish it were last episode <laughs> maybe she doesn't ever stop no she doesn't do this dun, forever. Dun, dun. <laughs> she doesn't do this forever but i must have clear i must have blocked all of this out of my brain um <laughs> all right well i wanted to get that out of the way because you know she's gonna do it a couple of times and melissa was very unhappy every time um but she was very happy in the next scene and i will say that you know in season one and many times when felicity has left tape for sally in the past it was important like it was information it was thoughts in her head that we were not getting in the episode in the rest of the scenes of the episode i'm not sure that that's the role it filled here because the first thing Felicity says to Sally is, dear Sally, I'm in trouble, which will then be repeated in the very next scene. So I feel like some of the stuff that they gave us here, I feel like they're replacing that device here within the content itself. And they just need to get a grip. <laughs> like They're doing fine to give us Felicity's innermost thoughts. And I suppose an episode where you introduce somebody like a Dr. Pavone gives her a device for doing that. Um, that I hope they'll lean on a little bit more. I mean, the only reason I can think about having the tape is so that she can reflect, I guess, a little bit more when she's talking about uh imagine this had happened when you were my tutor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so maybe it goes away next episode we don't know but, i don't know uh, fish i can't even eternal for you because you're the optimist yeah uh, um so yes dear sally i'm in trouble and that brings us straight into felicity's first time meeting dr pavone remember this is the second part of a two-part episode so we're coming off of felicity and ben getting caught at the pool with beer uh underage drinking they're in trouble they don't know what's gonna happen they 
you know, the end, the end of um, episode 10, we're left not really knowing what the punishment is going to be. And so they're, they've been sort of working that out somewhere between these two episodes and Felicity shows up at Dr. Pabone's office to figure out what her punishment is. Um, but they, they give us a very specific image of this new character when Felicity walks into the room. Every time you see a scene with Dr. Pabon, it's under it's it's underpinned by classical music or some sort of choir music, or like she's very particular musical taste. She smells like a chimney. Those are a couple key things. And she's I mean, I guess she's moving in, right? <laughs> but um yeah, she's a bit of a mess uh in this she first is. part. She's like, can't find anything. Yeah, she's just kind of like fumbling around looking for things in a sort of controlled way what i really like about almost everything we see from from pavone in this episode is like she's just really disruptive yeah i mean that it that is true she's okay with a little chaos she's more of a like she's not a controlled person Mm-mm. um and she's okay with that and I think that that shakes up Felicity at a lot of different points, whether it be for big reasons or like the most minor ones, <laughs> like, you know, like going, you know, later we'll see, she like just goes to grab, she goes to look for her Yale certificate in the middle of a conversation. Felicity's is like, what are you doing getting up from this chair? Yeah. <laughs> like, There is just a lot of, I think the fact that she's moving into the office probably helped them create that for her. Um, we do get this little line of subtext because Felicity is expecting to see Papaleno, the guy that we saw yes. a couple times in season one, who was her counselor. She's like, I think I'm here for Papaleno. And Pavone's just very distractively like hooking up lights and stuff. And <laughs> she's yeah. like, Yeah, he's on leave, indefinite leave. And Felicity, bless her soul, she's like, Is he okay? Yeah. <laughs> And Pavone's like, forget about Di- forget about Papaleno. I'm here now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, new- I'm your new Papaleno. Family stuff. Don't worry about it. Uh, I do love the music. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, it has to be the original because she actually talks about it, and also mm-hmm. it's free because it's old. Um, but yeah, she is. She's a bit of a mess. Um, her hair is fantastic. We've got, you know, a new giant curly haired person. Yes. Um, Another reason why I enjoy her. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love how in this first scene, she's, you know, she's talking to Felicity. She's very frank. She's very straightforward. And <laughs> I just love the scene where Felicity's looking at her and, and Dr. Provone just talking to her. And there's like smoke from her cigarette, just like drifting right across her face. Mm-hmm. She's she's really not worried about what's going on here, um, but we do get to learn about Miles Adler, mm-hmm. the frat boy. Uh, you know how they are, according to Doctor Pavone. Um, got drunk, dove into the uh, broke into the pool, dove into the shallow end, was in a coma, didn't die. Doesn't seem like. But, you know, the university had to pay out. And so, you know, bad publicity equals zero tolerance. 
Yeah. I had coma for 15 days is back in 1986. Yeah. And I had a problem with the zero tolerance policy. Mm -hmm. It was not zero tolerance. It it was actually very tolerant. Mm -hmm. Um, It was like zero tolerance means you're getting expelled. Zero tolerance does not mean alcohol treatment, counseling, and then they're like, whatever the punishment is, which they're very vague about. Um, But I mean, I I certainly think it's the better way to go, but it is not zero tolerance. Yeah, I I think, I don't know to what extent she is, but I believe we're going to get a line in a future episode about I think Pavone has some amount of wiggle room with the punishment that's set. I don't know if that's like numerically because they're given alcohol treatment, counseling and community service. So how many hours of community service at what point does, you know, is their treatment counseling deemed done? I don't know if, if those were the things she had to do and now she's like mandated with figuring out how much of it has to be done, or if she's the one who actually set the whole thing. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure, but you're right. This does not appear to be a zero tolerance policy. And frankly, if it were a zero tolerance policy, we'd have a very different show. <laughs> right. So I don't know why they made this big deal and had a whole wall painted for a zero tolerance policy that does not exist. But yeah. I guess yeah. it was for the drama. Yeah, um, it was all for the drama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do like Pavone. Uh, It's a line she echoes later when she figures out who Felicity is. She's like, hold on a second. I know this name. And she like fishes through her papers and she's like, you're in trouble. Close the door. Sit down. Yeah. Yeah. She's got this assessment of her kind of immediately. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I will say kind of echoing what you said before, like this would not be such a quick process. I, I do like all the things that she brings out and and she says a lot of the stuff that I think many of us may have been thinking. Um, and she helps Felicity, I, I can't even say she really helps Felicity have realizations. She just kind of tells Felicity like what realizations she should have. Mm. Uh, so I think this is very, very different than any type of you know, college counselor or even therapist would be. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly but, expedited. That is for yeah. sure. Yeah. They, they move it along. And even in this first, you know, meeting, she's like, all right, you broke into the pool. Wait, you broke into the pool? Like she already kind of doesn't believe it. She's like, all right, drinking Ben Covington. Da, da, da. <laughs> she has a very, you know, for a lot of the episode up until a certain turning point, Pavone's tone with Felicity is very like challenging. Yeah. Why did you break into the pool? You know, it's, it's just like a lot of that sort of challenge. I'm challenging you to answer this question (laughs) and you probably don't even have the right answer kind of a tone to it. Um, Yeah. I like that she interrupts her own really important question. Like Felicity spends a lot of the early part of this episode, just like sort of staring at Dr. Pavone in response and confusion. And then, you know, Pavone will find new ways to disrupt it. Like 
she's in the middle of waiting for an answer from Felicity. And she's like, have you ever, have you ever heard this? It's Monteverdi. <laughs> and you're just like, okay. Now that we all know what song is playing in the background, let's keep going. <laughs> she's just really like, I feel like what this character, whether or not this is how an actual counseling session would pay, play out, which it probably most of the time isn't. Um, she gets Felicity really off balance so many times in small and big ways. And the Monteverdi point out was one of those little things. Yeah, I enjoyed that. And and Felicity's response to it, which was, it, no, it, it's nice. Yeah, like just exactly what you would think Felicity would say. I almost yeah. feel like that's Pavone's test question. Yeah. Just to see somebody's personality. It's like the Rorschach test. <laughs> it's like if it's somebody tells her like it is, then she knows what she's dealing with. If you get a Felicity who's like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe it's part of how she's like, I don't know, judging Felicity's character. Yeah, there's a lot of little things where, you know, she's she's pulling out things that she will later call out almost immediately in this episode. So, you know, I see, I see kind of what they're doing. Um, but I think we'll talk more about her style as we go. Um, but, you know, she's sitting there, she's kind of, you know, assessing Felicity. She's like, all right, here's what we have to do. What just moved in, you know, and then, you know, Ben walks in the door and he's, he just walks in the door smiling. They've already done a ton of work, right? It did not take long. And he's like, sorry, I'm late. Just missed like everything. And again, she gets to say her lovely line. You're in trouble. Close the door. Sit down. Yes. And Ben's smile goes a a little bit away, but really not so much. Mm -hmm. And then they take, they, you know, move the camera to Felicity and she's clearly taking this more seriously than Ben is. Yeah. They'll all smiles. Yeah. Um, let's get back to that in just a moment. Cause there's going to be like a little interlude here with a tape to Sally. Um, but we're going to, let's come back to the fact that Ben's not taking it quite as seriously, which we will in like pretty much the next scene, but first, well, but before we go there, I had a, a question mm-hmm. because we then watched the credits, the regular credits. Mm. And this is the first time this has really struck me. Um, what's up with the big dog in the credits? Mm-hmm. Is that like a dog they're going to have later? I mean, nope. it's not lucky. It's just a, it's just a dog holding a dog. I don't know whose dog that is. Uh, Never maybe, shows up again. Maybe just, one of our very eagle-eyed listeners or eagle-eared listeners or eagle. No, <laughs> eagle-eyed works because yeah. they have to look at the photos. Tell us. Do you know where that dog is from? I have no idea. I, I think uh, this is not a dog we're going to see in the future. Okay. Yeah. That, that was, that was like, can't be like a season four dog. I mean, these are the credits. Hmm. Um, okay. Well, yeah. it struck me for the first time. Maybe I was thinking about Lucky and I was just like, there's a big dog right there. No, that dog's been there for a while, but I'm glad he's finally getting noticed. You know, he deserves his credit here. Um, So, yeah, when we come back, 
Felicity's leaving another tape or the same tape for Sally. I don't know. <laughs> She's saying what her words are saying is different from what they're showing us. So Felicity is saying to Sally, well, really, this is the best possible time for my parents to break up. You know, couldn't be, couldn't be better. Like if this had happened years ago, it would have been a bigger problem, but I'm, you know, it's fine. I've got my life. It's all good. That's what she's saying. But they're showing us all these different scenes, all these moments from Felicity at class and social situations at Dean and DeLuca. And she's just gazing into the distance, totally disconnected from whatever's happening in each of those settings. And, um, you know, I, I do like the juxtaposition of those two things. Yeah, I think it shows that she she doesn't really want to say it out loud to anyone, even a non-existent Sally. Um, mm-hmm. But it is affecting her. She is obsessing about it. You know, it seemed like she was thinking a lot and there was a sadness to her that we, you know, haven't seen since really, you know, season one, when Mm -hmm. we talked about her having depression. And I think a lot of this comes with the the heaviness of that role that she, you know, we learned that she was playing kind of growing up. And I do feel like she is starting to slip back into that and it is affecting her relationships with people and and what's really nice is that ben picks up on it um but nobody I think else but fine you yeah. know but ben at least yeah ben at least um but yeah it's i i think this was done really well it was kind of hard to watch that scene. I mean, she, it's, it's, you know, with the voiceover, but it was kind of hard to watch that bit where she was at Epstein bar. She's at a table, yeah. Noel and Elena and Julie are all talking animatedly at the table and she's just staring into the distance and they don't really show us that any one of those people was like, Hey, what is up with you? Um, so it is, it does sort of put, should put, put a spotlight on Ben in this that he's like really looking at Felicity um and granted they didn't for everything they were trying to do in this episode they didn't have time for every single one of her friends and her friend group to be doing the same thing but um I feel like even if they did ask her she would have just said oh it's fine yeah she that's probably true Mm -hmm. you know and they know her dad's in town and you know, obviously it's super awkward since they all went to that super awkward lunch or yeah. breakfast. Um, so, you know, and she's an analytical person. So I could see them maybe reaching out kind of quickly. And But I think for Ben, he is watching her more carefully and it compounds over time. And I also think he's privy to these moments where, um, where Felicity's dad shows up at Dean and DeLuca. Yeah. So, so there's that. Her dad, her dad just, and now her mom, if we thought it was bad that her dad was showing up before, not only is he now stalking her, her mom is along for the ride for yeah. like a good part of it. Yeah. So we're going to see this play out that when we come back from that, that tape and that voiceover, we go back to Dean and DeLuca. And to your point earlier about Ben, maybe not taking all this as seriously with the counseling, Ben really asserts his position here um, 
that he says, screw Tony Pavone. He said, college is an option. And so you can see that he's, well, he says he's toying with the idea of leaving. So he's, I guess, trying to decide what level of stakes all this has for him. Um, And at the start of the episode, I feel like he is kind of up in the air about it. By the end of the episode, he, he makes a choice, but I, I, I do believe that he's like, this doesn't have to be anything if I don't want it to be. Like, it, it's almost his way to take power and control back in his mm-hmm. life. Um, um, if I were to put a, like a theme on this episode, it would be people being lost and like having many existential crises all over the place and i think this is ben's version of that i mean felicity is exploring it with dr pavone um her mom is certainly going through it her dad you know we've seen earlier is going through it Mm -hmm. like noel's trying to figure out what's going on like i feel a lot of people here are just really lost and don't know what to do and there's sort of a lot of let's try to figure it out Um, And actually, for for those who haven't heard this expression before, there is an expression called the sophomore slump. This episode sits comfortably into Felicity's sophomore year, but there is a like real life expression, the sophomore slump, like, hey, freshman year might have rocked your world in some way. And then all of a sudden you're just like in some sort of a weird groove that you don't know if you love in your sophomore year. And then, you know, junior and senior year of college would be sort of like you're an upperclassman now, you're looking at what your future holds, but this concept of a sophomore slump is certainly well-documented. And Noel, of course, is a junior, but what we're seeing play out here, I don't know. I think this this type of slump hits people in different ways. And for so many of the people in this episode there's a real personal crisis that they're being confronted with yeah and i think it's cyclical throughout life Mm -hmm. i think we have these moments or at least i've had these moments um often when things aren't going well at a job or you know if uh in a relationship that you've spent a lot of time with you know just having these moments of reflection feeling kind of lost and saying like what have i been doing mm-hmm. you know and and like why do i exist yeah and, and what do i do next yeah i think it makes a lot of sense for people to go into a sophomore slump because freshman year you're having a lot of fun and you know you, you're out of high school you have new freedom and it's all new And then sophomore year, you have to start figuring out like the future of your life. Like you have to get to that really important point of picking a major. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is a lot of maybe internal reflection, but also outside pressure Mm -hmm. to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And, and you're right. Like, it's not just the kids in this episode that are having this, like the adults are equally lost. And so here we are, Dean and DeLuca. Well, Sidney's dad shows up. He's trying to 
sort out, confirm dinner plans for Felicity and her mom and him. And she goes into caretaking mode. She's like, uh, can I get you a coffee? Yep. Yep. It's a small uh, thing, right? She's working at Dean and DeLuca, but it's also like, this is, this is how she handled that situation. It's an awkward conversation. It's going to be an awkward dinner. And she deflects by serving him. Yep. Um, you know, you can see it as a, a moment of empathy that, the, you know, I have a lot of respect for her and for people who have these moments of empathy and do small things and like just being nice and getting him a coffee is great. You know what else would be nice? Mm-hmm. If he reflected any of that empathy back at her. Yeah. I'm going to continue to rail against Edward Porter <laughs> and this, uh, especially there's a certain scene coming up later that, that I have a feeling voiced, I know. Yeah. You voiced what <laughs> I was thinking. Um, <laughs> um, but I was confused here because mm-hmm. we get a nice long look at Ben and I don't know what the direction was for him, but to me, he looked really mad. Oh, I didn't see him looking mad. Um, so Felicity is getting the coffee for her dad. We get a lingering camera shot from the side, from Ben's vantage point of Felicity making this coffee, but really just like almost disappearing into that process. Like she's looking down. It looks like she's just, she's lost into another world while she, it's like making the coffee was an excuse for her to dissociate from the conversation she was just having. She's just, just, there she is just making this coffee, but we're in Ben's vantage point when we see that camera angle to her. And then she looks up and looks to the side, basically almost into the camera at Ben and sees that Ben is watching her. And so she kind of straightens herself up to give the coffee to Edward Porter, but we do get another lingering shot of Ben's face. Now that he's observed all this, he's in, He's certainly in observation mode. He's noticing he he's wired to observe Felicity now for for better or for worse um, from even the first episode back in this half of the season. But now he has this front row seat to watching Felicity be so uncomfortable and he can see that there's a heaviness here. And so I his face, I just saw like a concerned, deep observation of her. Um, and we don't really know, they're not giving us his language until much later for us to know how he's been interpreting it. But we will know later when he's like, I don't think you're happy here. Like, I don't think you're happy here right now. She doesn't look happy. I mean, we repeatedly get these shots mm-hmm. of her in 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 what I think seems like her slipping back into depression. She that's, is, that's what it looks like to me too. Yeah. I mean, she's, she is pulling away. She's not feeling things. She's not looking around. She's very quiet. Um, and yeah, that, I and mean, we do see here clearly Ben is observing this. Um, I wasn't sure if maybe it had something to do you know, with his own relationship with his dad, you know, her dad's back, he knows it's not so great. 
he doesn't have a great relationship with his dad and he sees this, you know, reaction where her dad says something, she does not look happy. And I thought maybe he was a little mad about that, but it, it could just be. I don't get anger from him. It would be interesting. We certainly don't see anything like that in this episode. And I, I can't even think if there's a conversation in a future episode where, because because Ben's parents have split up and his understanding of that is probably, you know, I think he has a concern for Felicity here. He is going to find out in this episode that her parents are splitting up and that's the reason why her world is so rocked. And I think he keeps it on her because his, her situation is different from his. You know, like when he found out that his parents were splitting up, the reaction we get from him, I don't know how true to form this really was to what he was really thinking, but I I do believe that it was, Um, you know, he says like, it's about time. Like my mom deserves better than this. And he's not imposing that same line of thought on Felicity when she reveals it to him. It's a different situation. And um I think what he can really see here is how much it's affecting her. Certainly more than he let on his parents splitting up was affecting him. So I don't know. It's hard to know how much of his personal story is being filtered through his lens here when he looks at her, because we're not getting all that language. Yeah. And and we do get a lot more from Felicity. It's, think a lot more complicated with her i think ben had dealt with some of his stuff mm-hmm. maybe at a younger age because it was more um i don't want to say intense but like you know there's a difference between your dad being a dick and your dad beating you up like he he had to deal and Ben's reaction in his family dynamic was to get protective over his mom. Yeah. Felicity, it, we, we come to find in this episode, and we've been seeing evidence of this along the way, Felicity's reaction was to become protective of her family unit remaining intact, which is really different objectives. Yeah, um, absolutely. So... I don't know. I think it's interesting to look at how all that plays out. And when you start to see Pavone and Felicity unpacking all this stuff in this, in the conversations that they have, you really do see that this is how it's been playing out for so much of the series so far. Um, And that's kind of how I feel about Dr. Pavone in general is uh, I am, I am willing to accept her as a character that seems Uh, almost able to read Felicity's mind um, because I feel like she is a reflection of the fact that we have been on this journey for, you know, a year, not a season plus. Yeah. And I kind of feel like Dr. Pavone is coming from that angle. It's almost like Pavone, Pavone is like the smartest version of the audience. Well, I mean, I do think she comes from a place of being a trained therapist. I do Mm -hmm. think they they wrote that. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got 
we'll, we'll get to the scene where she's um, very vocal and I, I can share more there, but um, she has a certain style to mm-hmm. her. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't know that, I mean, there, there's definitely emotional intelligence there. There's definitely, I think they did some research around therapeutic techniques. Um, so yeah, I, I find certain things that she does to be very helpful. Um, like in this next scene, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, got, uh, Felicity and Dr. Pavone and, and Dr. Pavone is just very straightforward and she's listening to opera, mm-hmm. uh, which I love. Mm-hmm. And she's asking a lot of questions. Yeah. She's smoking again. She smokes every scene pretty much. Felicity is just like, can we get to the point of this? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure this is the best use of our time for me to be here. You know, like I don't drink. Pavone's like, oh, says here you drank. She's like, well, I drank, but I don't drink. Pavone's like, oh, so you were just like blowing off steam. She says, yes. She says, well, where did the steam come from? And I think that's a really important pivotal question here. Pavone's like, yep, here's the point of this. <laughs> like, <laughs> she, she has a way of doing that with Felicity in this episode and future episodes. It's like, yes, I know you're here for this reason, but the point is <laughs> where did the steam come from? Felicity. <laughs> well, she's trying to get to something happened. Do I need to be concerned? Mm-hmm. I think that's the assessment. Yeah. And so Felicity shares, you know, my parents are splitting up and it's, you know, I, I'm an only child and that's probably what it is. And what I really like about Dr. Pavone in this scene is that she doesn't invalidate Felicity's experience. You know, she, she does listen to her. She doesn't say, you know, this, this is, isn't a big deal or, um, you know, Felicity tries to say everyone goes through this and Dr. Pavone says, no, they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I do find her hard to read, uh, which I think is good from a therapeutic perspective in general. Um, I think that she had a very realistic way of dealing with Felicity not communicating with her. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she, she said, look, I'm the real deal. I'm trained in this. Uh, basically, I'm good at my job. Shows her, pulls out the degree from Yale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then says, when you're ready, come, come talk to me. And, yeah. and that's really the point here. It, it can't be... Dr. Pavone, it's got to be Felicity that wants to do something. And that's a little bit where I have some trouble with her heavy handed style where she is kind of directing and guiding her, I think a bit too much, but that is her style. And um, I think this point is really important that, that it requires agency and desire on Felicity's part to do something about this. Yeah. I think, I mean, look, I haven't been to a whole lot of therapy, uh, official therapy in my life. 
and I had kind of weird experiences when I did. So um, I will say like, I don't know. And I think there's different styles. So I don't know exactly what a therapist, what is textbook, what is not what you're supposed to do, what you're not. I think the idea of flat affect is something that comes up a lot with, you know, like speaking, but speaking with a flat, like a monotone, trying not to sort of, and, and like you were saying, Pavone maybe starts that way, but she's going to work really actively to rile Felicity up later. Um, And so it's hard to know, it's, you know, it's hard to know if what the techniques really are, what they aren't. Um, I can, I can share some thoughts about when she tries to rile Felicity up later. Um, But I think here um, it's just kind of like, I, I think one of the things Pavone realizes probably very early that she's dealing with with Felicity is that Felicity is smart and has thought about her situation somewhat. So she'll she'll like she like Felicity jumps straight to the hot button stuff and then she's like, parents splitting up, but no big deal. You know, I'm an only child. Maybe that's all that is. Like she's actually giving Pavone some really critical information. And then minimizing it because it's like, I acknowledge this is a thing, but don't you worry, Pavone, we don't have to get into this, which she's also giving, she's offering up that information because she knows it's important. And, and then she wants, you know, she's protecting it too at the same time. Um, and she's kind of just like, it'll be fine. Just like figure out my punishment. That's what I'm here for, you know? Um and, and this is how she's been in the past, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is her parents, you know, they're they're doing something. And she's going to take care of it because, and she's going to take care of herself. Because mm-hmm. who did this for her in high school? No one. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tough, right? And I think these are all things that they actually give us some really meaty, lengthy conversations between Pavone and Felicity so that, Pavone can kind of see how all this is coming out of Felicity's mouth, how Felicity is being. I think we're getting long enough scenes where we can see Pavone getting some good information about Felicity early on and what she does and doesn't choose to say and how she delivers it. And so I think, you know, Pavone as a therapist would have to know, okay, you're dealing with somebody who has some level of self-awareness and is also working really hard to smooth things over with everybody around her. And that's, that's what she's done. And, um, and so that gives her like, gives Pavone like a certain bucket to pull from of like, okay, well, this is what we're working with. Um, No. And so then we're, we're going to get to see this lovely dinner that her dad had set up and i'm just gonna go out in the on a limb here and say watching your mom and dad sit at a table awkwardly is not the same thing as watching them have sex i don't Mm. think that's true at all yeah Um, felicity gets to the restaurant her parents are already seated at the table and she's observing what she describes as this intimate moment um yeah, I don't know. I, don't I know. do. They they have clothing on. Everything is is better with clothing on. Yeah, but I do. Your parents. It did resonate though this idea of like you're seeing a moment that you probably weren't supposed to see. Yeah, she went too far. Hmm. 
way too far. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. And the, I, other, um, the other immediate reaction I had, um, which you heard when she sat down with her parents is, gosh, that's a fuzzy sweater. So fuzzy and pink and fuzzy. Yeah, Very they kept fuzzy. backlighting her. So like the fuzziness of the sweater really stands out um, yeah. even more Very. than it already would have. This this scene is definitely like a, oof, this scene. Um, so it starts off where everybody's like playing into this farce at the table. Her mom doesn't know that Felicity is already aware of why her mom is there to begin with. Uh, Felicity knows everything. Dad knows that he told Felicity. Like, so everybody is kind of operating under a different understanding at this table. So her mom is just making conversation. She's like, Hey, I made spa appointments for us at Cascades. That'll be fun. We'll yeah. get to hang out, you know, just us girls. Um, complete sense that it's called the escape. Uh-huh. Exactly what, uh, what you'd think the two of them need we'll, yeah we'll return to that moment later yeah and then dad is saying okay so thursday night's just one of those in honor of dinners want to make sure you're coming felicity felicity turns to her mom and says you are gonna go right and her mom's like the what now <laughs> <laughs> like, what was that inflection um she looks straight at Edward Porter right away. She's like, uh, she's I'm like, pretend this is I'm, fine. Of course I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask why, because why you ask that? Because I'm, I'm feeling something coming on. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, what do we do to get back to normal in this conversation? Well, we got to order. Let's look, let's all stare at our menus and think reflectively about what we want to eat. And I mean, uh, the ravioli looked good. Well, yeah, I'm talking through Didn't that. It? Hey, what do you Didn't want, Barbara? sweetie? <laughs> yeah, it's just oh man, because he's like, the ravioli looks good, right, Barbara? <laughs> and she's just like, no answer. <laughs> and and throughout this whole thing, you know, Felicity is like really quiet. She's looking down at the table. She can hardly make eye contact with them. And her mom is quite quiet, really. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like her dad's trying to trying to keep up the mood. Huh. Oh, boy. And then, you know, Felicity's, you know, her mom says, what are you going to get, sweetie? And Felicity just is staring into her menu and just starts crying. Yeah. She's just yep. she's just breaking loose. She can't anymore with can't this. Take it. Yeah. And then her mom's like, what's happening? What's going on? And her dad to, to I, I don't know, to like 0.05% credit is like, well, I told her what's going on, Barbara. Um she's like, you jerk. Uh <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. and then you can hear as Felicity is just like uh, the lingering shot of the profile of Carrie Russell as she's taking all this in and she's crying into her hands a little bit. And, and she's got this anxiety. Uh, 
I feel it. Like I just felt like all this, like there it's was like tension at the table. Panic attack. Yeah. There was all this tension at the table mm-hmm. and, and as her parents start fighting, you at least I felt all the tension from the table go into her yeah. internally. Her parents are getting it all out. They're fighting, you know, is it Carolyn's words? We don't know who Carolyn is. Um, this was a very aggressive move. Edward. So aggressive. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and Felicity is just, she's already started crying mm-hmm. and she's just absorbing everything inside. Mm-hmm. And it just, I, you know, I feel like it's paralyzing her. And, you know, it's certainly for us to observe how all this is playing out. Felicity has now retreated into her own inner world, except she's still at the same dinner table as these other two jerks. So they're having this fight now, this, this petty, like this was an aggressive move, Edward, this was a, and I mean, it's not petty. They're having a serious thing happening in their relationship. This was a big deal. And to be fair to the mom, Edward Porter has in fact been throwing her under the bus for a whole episode before this, but you know, their daughter is crying in front of them at the table. The whole right. point for them to be there together to have this conversation was how they were going to deliver it to her. And she is a non-factor now that she's like off in a corner crying. So it's like, what, weren't you here to take care of her? Right. And as the as the episode goes on, not only did, you know is she kind of a a non-entity at the table right now, um, they actually start to like look to her. <laughs> and it's just like, really? And, and I think this is, it, what's, what's nice is that Dr. Pavone is available, right? This is not someone that she clearly had in high school. I mean, this could be anyone, right? I mean, it's nice that Dr. Pavone has a has a degree in everything, but someone to talk to. She has someone to talk to about this who isn't going to be going and talking to her parents or her yeah. friends or whatever. And so to her credit, Felicity takes the opportunity mm-hmm. after this dinner, she basically goes to Dr. Pavone and says, I am in an existential crisis. Yeah. And I do like this. We fade from that dinner scene into Pavone's music. Yeah. Um, you hear the music first and you're like, we're going back to Dr. Pavone's office. And then Felicity knocks on the door and shows up and says, is now a good time. And uh, or, you know, do you have a chance to talk? And and then we see a softer close the door, sit down. Yes. Um, but yeah, this is this is one of many sort of like, okay, Felicity's ready to play ball conversations. Yeah. She's gonna she's gonna put a few things out there. I mean, she is in this crisis and she's just gonna start saying stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in relationships. I don't understand. I hate my haircut. I don't know who I am anymore. Yep. I 
I had this thing I thought was a victory of dropping pre-med and now I don't know why. And Dr. Pavone just listens to her, Mm -hmm. which again, I think is the right move. Yeah. And she eventually rolls around to sort of like, you know, I guess I just depended on my parents being there. I didn't realize how much and it's starting to occur to me that I was just expecting them to be there. And she can see, Dr. Pavone can see that Felicity is, you know, self-analytical right Mm -hmm. there. She's analyzing herself. And I want to say, so this is not the original song, but I like this song very, very much. And I can't imagine this scene with anything else. So this is, I think, the second time we've heard this song by Azure Ray called Displaced. It's so sweet and gentle and thought and like thoughtful and thought provoking. And we also heard this song in, I want to say, season one, episode two, when Julie and Felicity are talking about why they came to New York. And um, Julie says for the first time she came here to find her birth mom. Um, It was the same song that was playing then. I just, I don't know. I felt like it was just the light touch that was needed for, for this conversation, this very, like, I don't know. She's very like gently and cautiously treading into this conversation with Pavone. And, and Dr. Pavone is, you know, she's, she's not doing the tough love thing yet. Mm-hmm. Well, you the know, first she thing she asks is like, did you say any of this to your parents? Yeah. Felicity says no. I just let them talk. Yeah. And then she gets into this whole thing. She's saying, you know, I just feel responsible for all this. And Pavon's like, why? She says, well, I think I disrupted things. I moved to New York. I disrupted everything. I was selfish. Came here for Ben at first and then for myself and to see if I can find myself. And, you know, I, I like some of the techniques that Dr. Pavone is using here. You know, Felicity says that she feels responsible and, and she, and Dr. Pavone questions kind of this false premise, you know, she's, She's like, you know, why do you feel responsible? Why was it selfish? She's trying to establish a sense of self, mm-hmm. which is what Felicity said she's lacking, right? She's and like, the technique that she's using is a lot of mirroring here because she'll take a word like a mate, like I feel responsible. How are you responsible? Feel selfish. How was this selfish? And Pavone will bring that same pivotal word back to Felicity to get her to say more about it. Um, so that I, I know that that much is a technique. Yeah, and and I think she's, you know, she she's trying to help Felicity understand what is kind of what is her responsibility and what is not. Like, mm. what is yours to take care of, and what are other people's? You you know, Felicity's really young. She's, you know, been out of high school like a year and a little bit. And when she was with her parents, you know, it was very integrated, right? Mm-hmm. And and that was a huge part of her identity, as it is with most kids. Mm-hmm. 
And as she's trying to figure out who she is, she needs to see herself separately and, and be able to define those lines of, you know what, that's your parents thing, or like, that's your boyfriend's thing. Like, here's, here's you. And, and that's when Felicity kind of goes into, you know, I was trying to find myself. And from someone who myself has been through a lot of therapy, also had weird experiences and, you know, different therapists. Um, I find this, this is often kind of what happens in therapy sessions. It's like she starts out talking about this existential crisis. And then she talks about depending on her parents. And then she talks about finding herself. And then, you know, she starts getting into what's really bothering her. I mean, it took like this time and these layers, but at the end of it, it's like, this is really why she walked in the door. Mm -hmm. It's like, they seemed fine over the holidays and I don't know why they're breaking up. And, you know, Dr. Pavone says, well, you know, I don't think this was really necessary. I think this was a bit of a, a, not a quip, but it, wasn't necessary to say it like this. Um, but she says, you know, I thought it was because of you. Um, and so, yes, she is challenging yeah. her to think differently. I mm-hmm. think she could have said it better, but this, this is kind of what happens, right? Especially, well, for those of you who have been to therapy and, and kind of when you start out, it's like you come in and you have something on your mind and a really good therapist by the end of the conversation or hopefully you know earlier in the conversation gets to why you're really there and where the emotion is Mm -hmm. and so i thought this was a really good scene with her Mm -hmm. yeah and um one of the things felicity points out in this conversation that i think we're coming off of as an audience felicity says you know they were just here for thanksgiving and i was just back in Palo Alto for the holidays and everything seemed normal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that made me think of your observations for the Thanksgiving episode where she's like, why are they being like this? It's like, well, (laughs) cut to this line, you know, where it's like, oh, because all this was actually happening under the surface and they were putting on this false front to some degree and um you know for felicity that read as normal for them that read at you know for them it was like well we always put up this false front with felicity um but for us we noticed that they weren't pushing like they were so desperate for her not to walk away from them that every time they kind of irked her they worked really hard to bring her back in because it was like oh we need you um and yeah, and they also, were probably leaning on her really hard over holiday break too. And we weren't seeing what that looked like. But also it was super weird that they just showed up out of nowhere. It was, like, right? Hey, honey, we're here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to invade your space as we're going to continue to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, okay. So we're going to go from this, from this scene. We're going to encounter Ben on the basketball court. Ben, we're going to keep seeing Felicity at Pavone's office. We're going to keep seeing Ben at the basketball court. Um, This is his, how he's blowing off his steam right now when he can't go to the pool. And so he just, you know, shoots hoops like all the time and uh, by himself. And it's not the worst coping mechanism. It is not the worst coping mechanism. And so Felicity finds him at the court and she's like, go see Dr. Pavone. (laughs) I was told to give you a message that you need to go see Dr. Pavone, basically. Or you're going to be expelled. Mm hmm. And Ben starts to, he, he's got something else on his mind. He's been thinking about courier tickets. You know, you can get a courier ticket to Prague. Like 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of starting to explore this idea. Wouldn't it be so much more fun to travel and to deal with all this? Um, and then Felicity makes a half joke. Well, let me know if you plan to do it. Cause I'd drop out with you. Or I should probably go with you is what she says. Yeah. And he is, he's going to jump on that. He's not letting that go. Yeah. Uh, Jump ball Ben. He's going to run up to the the fence and be like, yeah, you should do that. Mm -hmm. You should totally do that. Mm -hmm. We can go and and just travel in Europe because obviously we have, money and speak other languages uh mm-hmm. sure okay let's let's do this well it's it's like a, you know this is a fun fantasy to consider and then she's like but i mean though really yeah just go see dr Pavon. <laughs> yeah so uh, you know the, the yeah. seed is planted for both of them but it's like ah, yeah go see dr Pavon. Um, yeah, i don't think Felicity at this point was even half joking. I, she, she was not seriously considering this. I mean, maybe like 5% of her. I think was... more than 5% because the next time we're going to see Felicity. So Elena, Felicity and Julie are in Felicity's dorm room. Elena's talking about Tracy, her new lab partner who, oh my God, he's a man. And if I find out that he's, that he's <laughs> single, I don't know what I'm going to do about life. And then Felicity's first line is asking a question about courier tickets. So Ben got in there a little bit. It's way more fun for Felicity to think about courier tickets than anything else that's on her mind at that moment. Yeah. I mean, it it definitely is fun to think about, but I think she would need an extraordinary push to get there, which, you know, we see a little bit later, but just in the basketball scene, my main observation was, you know, they are both lost. Yeah. But she's getting help. And that's the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, she went to see Dr. Pavone. And then she went back. And, you know, I, I think that's just a really huge thing for her to be doing. It's not easy yeah um it's certainly not going to get easier yeah but it's really important yeah when you need help to get it yeah and ben to me is very frustrating at this point 
because he's he's just refusing like she's basically telling him and asking him you know to to get help and he's not yeah i think this episode is his push um by the end of this episode he'll have made a, a commitment um that puts him in a different position for future episodes. But this episode is very much like, you know what? I was out of control of decision about cutting the swimming program. There's so many things that are not in my control here. And it's just like this, it's almost like the amount of time he spends lingering in this decision process is his, this is his decision now, if he's going to stay in school or not stay in school. I feel like it's a moment when he's trying to exert some level of control in his life, whether it's productive or not, um, it's a it's a way that he can do it for now. And fortunately, he's not going to stay in this quandary for very long. Um, and ultimately, you know, Felicity will end up being a good influence on him in that way. Yeah. Um, but the, so the thing is, OK, so we're in this dorm room, Felicity, Elena and Julie Felicity's thinking about career tickets. And guess who, just guess who shows up at the door, Fish? Get one guess who shows up at this door. Um, It's going to be her dad. Yeah, um, because we haven't seen enough of him. No, but I, I do just want to say, we at least, we hear um, that Tracy is the name of Elena's lab partner. Mm-hmm. She has some amazing hair and a beautiful color in that sweater she's wearing Mm -hmm. and she's just saying like he is too cute Mm -hmm. and we're all gonna see him later and he is i mean if there's anything that is too cute i mean he is too cute um yes and i i've said it a few times i mean i know we're not talking about we're, we're, we're for now we're going through the whole episode focusing on the felicity parents ben pavone stuff um, but I will say with Elena having mentioned Tracy, um, thank goodness. How many I episodes hope he's now? around for a while because I love him. I'm so in love with Donald Faison. Like, yeah, you're going to get a lot of Donald uh, Faison. He's, I don't even know. He, he is probably the most likable, like actor slash everything I've seen him in. Mm-hmm. Like, I just am in love with him. Yeah. And you're going to get a lot of him in this show. And thank goodness they've introduced (laughs) a character that will give a lot more. It's going to give Elena her own storyline for a while. Um, Like there's going to be a lot that they can do with Elena now that they have introduced Tracy. And it's been honestly the whole first half of season two, we are 12 episodes in and for 11 episodes, I've been like, what are they doing with Elena? You <laughs> yeah. know, the last time she had a story was McGrath. Oh, she deserves Donald after McGrath. She deserves something, right? Like she has been literally the, sometimes their supportive friend to Felicity for all of the first half of season two and that's not fair tangy miller deserves more and so and she is gonna get it she's gonna get it i am really hoping like i mean i don't know what you know what kind of guy he plays in this although i can't imagine that he's unlikable um but i can see him playing 
both um, like vulnerable and like pulling her in, but also not putting up with her crap. Yeah. And I can see him like just completely opening her up or I could see her destroying him. And I really hope it goes the first way. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like all the stuff that you pulled up here, I think it's going to be interesting for you to see how it plays out. I think they found a really good, strong actor, strong character for Elena to bounce off of in good, bad, and ugly ways. Like so many different ways that they'll take this dynamic. Um, and God, they needed it. So we'll, we'll get into this more when we actually get through those scenes, but um, I, I just really just to want to talk this. about, yeah, I just really want to talk about this a lot because the next part of this is so horrible. This was a really rough scene for us folks. Okay. So we, we've, we just in, had an interlude in our own podcast to tell you about something we prefer to talk about than the scene we were in the middle of. Um, <laughs> but let's go back to the thing that we, we were, were talking about. We were having a Dr. Pavone moment, okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so, okay. So dad has interrupted Felicity's friend conversation, makes the friends leave. And, yeah, and I was so thrown off guard here because he's walking in the door and I'm like, oh God, he's there again. But mm-hmm. then he says, do you want to talk? And he says, how are you? And you would be thinking right here, good on you, Edward. Porter. Right. That I wrote that down. Yeah. Good on you asking your daughter how she is. That is the last time we are going to appreciate anything he says in this whole conversation. Ugh. He's, Ugh. he's like, well, you know. Disgusted. Because she deflects. She's like, it's on fine. I'm Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Dean asked me to like, he gave him a professional opportunity. So the Dean asked him to do something cool. Guest lecture. Guest lecture. And um, we were just in the middle of talking about that when Dean informed me about your break-in at the pool. Uh-huh. Fish, what did he say then? He said it was embarrassing. Sure did. For him. And I said, fuck you. Yeah. Very loudly. Yeah. Embarrassing yep. for him professionally. Yep. He says and personally. Personally, I think too. Yeah. Just he emphasizes the word embarrassing. And then we can decide yep. what that means. Um that stupid prank is gonna cost you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he says just starts literally thrilling her. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what's the punishment you're going to get? And Felicity's like, I don't know. And she's, he's like, well, well, what is the counselor told you? And she's like, I don't know. And you can actually hear. No, no. She doesn't scream at him, though. She, like, she gets, I feel like she gets scared. And there's a little bit of that. But really, she just breaks down. I mean, he comes in the room, into her room, and kicks her friends out and makes her cry and isn't even done. Yeah. Well, at, so when he keeps asking her what the punishment is going to be, she escalates it to a point. She isn't yelling at him, but for me, the annoyance in her voice comes out very, very clearly and makes him shut up for a second. So she's like, I don't know. And like the tone quality of her voice is such that she's like, you have got to stop this. I'm going to lose it on you in a minute. 
which she then does. Yeah. I mean, she just breaks down. And he does at that point um, change tactics because he hears that in her voice. And then he's, then he goes, mom's not coming to dinner on Thursday. You should go with mom. She's only going to be here for a little while. Go with mom. Yeah. But really what he's saying is, I don't want you to come because you're embarrassing to me. And he's, he's like trying to say it in some different way. But what he's actually saying is, you embarrassed me. It's a stupid prank. He's grilling her. And then he's saying, I am uninviting you to mm-hmm. this dinner. Oh, interesting. So, I hadn't interpreted it that way. I have never heard it in that way before, but it makes sense that he could. Yeah. And, and he, to me, he, he, you know, he says like, I'm not as good as she is. You know, she could hang out with her mom whenever that night at his dinner this is a disinvitation Mm -hmm. like that those particular hours do not have to be the one that she spends with her mother when he has an event that he has asked her to come to Mm -hmm. so um yeah my interpretation of this was that wasn't that it was a disinvitation but that it was what we haven't seen is some off-camera conversation between felicity's mom and dad you know, after, after the dinner at the restaurant where they probably had it out because Edward told Felicity, he spilled the beans, uh, you know, Felicity, Felicity's mom was probably trying to pump him for information about how he said what he said and probably had some bones to pick with him about the fact that he said what he said. And then they probably left it on some sort of a snarky, passive aggressive note, like, well, I'm not going to your dinner or whatever. Or like, I I can imagine the conversation that happens that we didn't see um, that I don't really need to see, to be honest, because I'm kind of guessing what the content of it was. And I feel comfortable enough with that. But this idea that like they probably left it where there was not good energy. um, And Barbara was just like, I'm not I'm not going. So you, you do your thing on Thursday, I'll do mine. And then um, I think that's where we end up with. Which is fine, but that doesn't mean that he has to disinvite Felicity. But I he think it's now been put in this position come. where she has to make some sort of a choice. So like he's saying, I'm already in trouble enough. Like, just go with your mom. She's not going to be here for very long. And like, to me, that's where this was coming from. But like, if you want to see it as a disinvitation, it can also be seen that way. Yeah. To me, it just really felt like salt in the wound. Like she's already crying and he's just like, I don't even want you there. And she's like, okay. Like she says like two words during this whole scene. Um, And he, you know, for the, for him starting this conversation with how are you doing? And then telling her, you know, heard about your break in. It's embarrassing. It's a stupid prank. It's going to cost you like, you know, you know, this whole, this whole thing. It's like, this is not all about you, Edward Porter. Yeah. Get over I mean, yourself. in his mind it is. And, uh, you know, I'm not feeling really great about her mom either. 
Yeah, they're lying on the table, the ta the massage tables, the cascades. They're they're getting the escape mm -hmm. that Felicity is actually trapped in. Yeah, physically wrapped up in towels. Trapped. And you figure Felicity has said, "Okay, Dad told me not to go with you on Thursday," and her mom's like, "Whoa, back this up! Nope, nope, nope." Go to your dad's dinner. She'll never hear the end of it if you don't go to dad's dinner. Yeah. And um, that's also not about Felicity. Mm -mm. That is all about her mom. Yep. And, you know, Felicity's just trying to figure out what's going on. And her mom's like, look, I'm angry at your dad and your dad's angry at me. And look, I'm never going to hear the end of it. So just do it and you know i wrote down they're putting felicity in the middle mm -hmm. and felicity doesn't answer her and she does another one of these apologies that i just can't stand it's a blanket apology down. this time yeah and i'm just like what for <laughs> what are you apologizing for says, i'm sorry for what, honey? For everything. Oh, all that? Yeah. Okay. I I guess I'll take your stupid apology. I'm not going to lie. I get it. Look, uh, she's been smoothing things over since the beginning of time, as far as she knows. And apologies smooth things over. She's trying to have compassion for her parents. Yeah. She's not having compassion enough for herself here. She's not willing to call them out for the fact that they're being the worst to her. They like, like they they're not in any way. It's like, look, this, I'm, I'm sure that this would be incredibly difficult for them to go through as, as a married couple, their number one mission or in theory, their number one mission for Barbara's visit was that they could have some sort of a united front and have this conversation as a family for the sake of their daughter. And their daughter has been a playing piece. You know, yeah. like they just, um, yeah. The so you're, and, you're correct. They are. And she just, yeah. you know, and she's not able to speak up for herself in this situation. She's never done it before. All the wheels would totally come off if she, if she did, she probably thinks, which is why she's mm -hmm. never done it. So she just apologizes for everything. Well, and she thinks it's her fault. Mm hmm. So now we are going to go into the really intense scene with Dr. Pavone and Felicity. Mm -hmm. The first thing out of Dr. Pavone's mouth is what we were all just thinking. Mm -hmm. And I was just saying, yeah, you apologized. Yes. Yeah, you apologized to them with that same challenging tone. Like you apologized to them. Yep. And Felicity's like, yep. She said, well, what did your parents say? Parents said, don't be silly, Felicity. Pavone, Pavone thinks, all right, well, that's one point for the parents, at least. Maybe like half a point. Maybe, at best. 
Um, this is definitely going to be a tough love conversation for Pavone. And she's yep. really actively working in this conversation to rile up Felicity, to get her to say something that isn't like perfectly controlled, perfectly perfect. And here's kind of where I want to put in a little plug for therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have been to quite a few and some are good and some are not and it's it's not necessarily because the therapist is highly qualified or not um you know i've had phds from top schools who have been practicing for a while and i have had people who don't have degrees and they've been better at certain points in my life so It is very much about the relationship that you have and build with Mm -hmm. the therapist. And I think Dr. Pavone is perfect for Felicity, you know, right now where she is because of the reactions that she does get out of Felicity and because it's working. Mm -hmm. If this was me, this would go so very differently. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I really hope that we get to see Dr. Pavone speak with Ben because I'd love to see a different dynamic. We do. Okay. Wonderful. Um, which is one of the reasons I love Dr. Pavone because we get to see how much of a huge impact she has a very different type of impact, very, very, uh, different needs from those two people at this point in their lives. And Pavone draws things out of them, uh, in a, in a very active way in this season Um, I guess I'll also say, okay, it's hard to know, like I have thoughts that I feel like so many overlapping thoughts I will say, and I'm sure I'm going to say more about this. I also am a person who like Felicity in this moment, I did not, I was not able to speak my thoughts. It took me the better part of a decade, maybe more to figure out how desperately I needed how to learn that. And not being able to speak my thoughts was causing me like physical discomfort, like psychosomatic feeling sick sort of reactions. And uh, there were a lot of times in my life where I was thinking to myself, like I'd be sitting in front of a person that I could talk to about something and I'd be thinking, okay, say something now, say something now now. And I could not get myself to say the words and by repressing it, it actually made me feel ill. And so to see, even though I don't think it would happen this quickly, um, to see Pavone using this technique with Felicity and drawing out, um, drawing her out of that repression, drawing her out of that suppressed state really gave me food for thought, especially looking back at this now. It's like, wow, somebody had done that for me in my early twenties. That could have been really interesting. Um, but, but I'll never know what that path would have looked like for me, but it is interesting to see this from her. I also have had some different therapy experiences. And, um, I, I think when you go, especially because I've also have been really blessed with some really good friends who have allowed me to sort of unpack things that I'm thinking and experiencing and um, have had the patience to do that. And it's gotten me to a different place to have that. But I had that eventually. And then I went to a couple therapists like later in life 
and found that I was not able to have a conversation with those people because I had already worked so many things out in my own head that whether or not they were able to actually offer new information or new insight was variable. Um, I think probably helps to, to go through it in real time, which is ultimately what my friends were doing um, and why I'm so grateful to them. But, you know, I remember once going to a therapist and uh, unloading on them for a full hour, a whole like life story or journey. And then at the end of it, I was like, okay, that's everything. And, <laughs> and they were like, great, you're really ready to do the work. And I remember I went back in the second section session with them and I, and we just stared at each other for an hour because I was like, well, what now? (laughs) I told you literally every single thing that I thought about this situation already. Nothing new is going to come from my brain anytime soon. (laughs) This is kind of where you jump in, but I also have had an experience on another subject matter that was happening more real time when I was blaming myself for something that was really somebody else's thing. And I remember the therapist saying to me, why do you feel like you need to take responsibility for that? (laughs) I was just like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. Like, I think for me, I'm one of those people who's really analyzing things all the time in real time. I'm unpacking it as I go. I'm assessing all the time. So I, I have to have somebody meeting me there. Um, and I, and again, I think it's different for different points in people's lives mm-hmm. and for different people. Yeah. And so I have changed therapists, not because I didn't really like the therapist I was with and because, you know, I had built a great bond and talked to them, but they were not able to move me forward. Yeah. And I actually had to go to someone who did a different type of therapy. Um, And so what I focus on now, because I'm also analytical, is something called cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. which is, it's very much about like integrating your entire self Mm -hmm. and not focusing on the past. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the sort of regressive Freudian, like, let's analyze what happened in the past and try to deal with past trauma. It's, here's what we do today. Mm Uh, and here's how we make changes for tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and I think that doc, Dr. Pavone picks up on here that, you know, she's, that there are things that Felicity needs to unpack from how she's been in the past and, and be able to separate herself from her parents and be an autonomous person. Mm-hmm. And there are things that, that she needs to, work on like expressing herself in the moment yeah um and so that that is all coming out of here and so i'm giving i'm giving dr pavone a pass on this because it works for felicity Mm -hmm. great i would have a very I, i have a very strong reaction to this and i'm like you shouldn't do that but you know for her this is working so i can't i sort of wish i could have seen what this what impact this would have had for me in real time. Again, I don't know if this is like on, on the surface, it doesn't look like this is a technique you should use, but then um, when you are so repressed that it's hurting you, I, I do wonder like, 
how do you get people to tap into um, like actual emotions? Is it labeling emotions or is it drawing the emotion out of them? Or like, what are your options as a therapist? And so I think to see it play out and like, I think cinematically, if they had done labeling emotions, it's like, well, look at this list, Felicity, what word Mm. feels like what you're thinking? (laughs) Like, I think that would have been so boring. Right. But to see this play out in a conflict in a therapy session um, certainly has more of an impact on the audience. Uh, and there's role play and other things that, you know, therapists can do, but I do think there needs to be a foundation of trust mm -hmm. and that has not been established here. Yeah. And that's, that's where I think I come from because this is the first time I'm seeing Dr. Pavone. I don't trust her. And for her to like lash out at Felicity when I don't, trust her makes me feel like shut up dr pavone yeah this i mean (laughs) this is severely expedited right for wow you know especially like for the types of revelations that are coming out here and the volume of them um it's a lot but uh i try to imagine what if this had stretched over a bunch of time so it's sort of and also we're, we're seeing a number of different sessions Felicity is having with Pavone and we're only seeing a bit of each of those sessions. So I don't, I don't know how many times she's actually seen her at this point, it, but you're right. Like it would take out place over more time. I, for me seeing the, the way that, you know, Felicity was looking really depressed all throughout the start of this episode and looking really lost. And then seeing the way that Pavone was kind of drawing this out of her was something that got me thinking a lot, even at the time. Um, it took me very, very, very long to learn how to do stuff like this myself. Um, but so that this scene, you know, Pavone said, you apologize to them. Yeah, okay. All right. Then she says, all right, well, how are you feeling about this? Are you pissed off? This is like, no, I'm just tense. Pavone's just like, not everybody gets pissed off. And Pavone's like, yeah, you're right. A lot of people who are really repressed and out of touch just insist that they're tense. She's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so we're going to go there today. Um, Pavone's saying stop the polite act, Felicity. She's like, this is yeah. just who I am. Pavone's like, did you not tell me that you don't know who you are? Nope. <laughs> don't you t- don't try don't you try to stop down on this your polite person business? Um, then then Pavone starts repeating Felicity's situation back to Felicity, but in a way where Pavone's kind of fired up. She's like, look, you've been the centerpiece for your parents all this time. And then here, your dad comes back to school with you. He's now, like, you know, working at a, co- like the, you know, at a, at the college that you're attending. He spills the beans to you. He tells you not to tell your mom. He leaves you with that burden. You know, then, then your mom gets angry at your dad and now you're back. And then they're, they're trying to fight over who you're going to go with on Thursday night. And, and they're just passing you back and forth here. This is a sporting event. Are you not angry? I love the way she, what she calls this, you know, cause her, her dad's saying go with her mom and her mom's saying go with her dad. And she calls it martyr ball and you're the puck. Yeah. Um, I just love that. And, and, and she, she also calls her out on a couple of things. She's like, 
yeah, you're telling me you came here for Ben. You're too smart to follow Ben to a college Mm -hmm. and you're too screwed up not to be angry. Mm -hmm. And Felicity is just quiet. Yeah. She's just quiet. She's taking it all in. She's just not pushing back. She never pushes back. It's not even that she's taking it all in. She's just taking it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, and so Pavone really starts to mock her here. She's like, I I mean, I feel like at first, you know, she was mad on Felicity's behalf. She showed her what anger looked like. You you can be mad. And And the world doesn't end. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Still here. Yeah. Um, But that didn't work, right? Felicity retreated further into herself or the same amount into herself. And so you're right. She does start to, she softens her tone, but uses more precise and cutting words. She says, well, how does it feel then to be the good little girl? How to be like a little cutie doll? Because I can tell you it is as annoying as hell to watch. Mm-hmm. She is trying to push her buttons mm-hmm. in whatever way she can. The first thing Felicity says to suggest she's not happy with this situation <laughs> that's brewing yeah. here when. Pavone says, so how does it feel to be the good little girl? Felicity's like, I don't know if I like this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. those, those fighting words. <laughs> it took all of that from Pavone for Felicity to say, you know, I don't know if I like this. <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, poor Felicity. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, it's annoying as hell to watch. It's like a, you're like a cupie doll just sitting there. Ugh. Yeah. It's like, are you um, really not mad? I know. <laughs> and Felicity um, finally yeah. cracks. She does. She and, and we get to see that vein. The Carrie Russell vein. Yep. Yeah. Very prominent. Yep. Yep. This is when Carrie Russell does her best work when her vein yep. pops out. Um, <laughs> it's good stuff. That vein plays an important role in the Americans as well. Um, <laughs> so. I think I should give an award here to to best vein acting. Absolutely. That's, that's um, I'll give an award later for her acting, but it's not the vein, but the vein is deserves, deserves an award. It deserves yeah. its recognition. And you better give it its full time to give it speech. I mean, um, it, was, it, yeah. it was powerful. Yeah. But, you know, Felicity has an outburst here. It's not, it's not deep. It's not long, but it's, it's something, right? And she's just like, yeah, I'm pissed off. You know, I'm angry at the the position my parents put me in. Yeah, I'm a little pissed off. She has a couple things to say, but it's certainly not the length of Pavone's speech. Yeah, but, but she it's does enough say, for like, her. I'm angry at my dad. I don't want him to be here. It's the mm-hmm. first time that we've heard her say that to, I mean, she certainly hasn't said it to her dad. She's certainly hinted about it quite a lot to other people in a very calm tone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is the first time where she is angry. She mm-hmm. just, she wants him to go away. She doesn't like what her parents are doing and what they're doing to her. Um, so. And then you see the vein and she starts crying again. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I mean, this is, this is what we call a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's big for her. Yeah. The fact that she was able to tap into that, I think, um, I think she has more than one breakthrough in this episode. And I think the breakthroughs look very different. Her next one blows me away, um, every time, but this, this one I think is important because she has been smoothing everybody over and Pavone is basically saying it is okay to not smooth it over in this office. Yeah, she's making it, a, well, as much as she's not, she's also making it a safe place. She's making it a safe place for emotion. Mm-hmm. And and she's, you know, letting her express that she is angry and she's like, good, you know. I'm, Validating I'm, that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the first time she's really validated it too, like, or anything. You know, yeah. so much of this, Pavone has asked questions and not expressed a thought about the answer, or she's ca- contradicted the answer. Um, but when Felicity's like, I am mad, and Pavone goes, Of course you are. You know, like, and then that whole bit that Felicity says, she's like, Mm-hmm, damn straight. Yeah, uh-huh. Like, like Pavone's nodding along with it. And it's really the first time that Pavone has showed agreement, which I think is part of um again not knowing if this is quite how this would play out with a patient like this i i think there is a really noticeable this is where she like me i'm expressing my actual thoughts and she's agreeing so it's okay for me to do more of this um it's like this is what pavone wants to encourage more of it's it's positive reinforcement and i i think it's telling and it's one of the reasons that i feel like it's okay to consider dr pavone someone that she has had a longer relationship with and she has built trust with because we have seen felicity mad before right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she got real mad at ben she stormed up to his door and Mm -hmm. (laughs) she laid into him yeah um you know, but but she felt comfortable doing that. This parent dynamic does does not feel like that. Yeah. And and she, you know, Dr. Pavone is an authority figure, and she is creating conflict. You know, this is Felicity pushing back during a time of conflict. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we see a lot of that from her. We didn't with Noel, you know, like she tended to go into crying and depression and, oh, okay, well then just go off and be with Hannah, like type of stuff. Um, She took a lot of, a lot of the brunt of the stuff that happened with Noel on board for herself, the way that she does with her parents. She felt responsible. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. I think that opening scene from early in season one with Ben, when she's yelling at Ben, we don't we don't get a lot of stuff like that. No. You know, it does, it does suggest, I don't know what that means about the relationship with Ben from the beginning, like that she had that comfort level with him, but she didn't know him then. Um, but it was a fantasy. It was a comfort level with a fantasy. Yeah, and so she true. trusted the fantasy. Yeah. And so she'll have a different relationship going forward. But I, I think it says a lot about her that when she doesn't trust and when she feels guilty, 
Because I don't mm-hmm. think she felt guilty when she went to lay Ben out. Mm-hmm. When, and I wouldn't even say she feels guilty. I would say she feels shame. Mm-hmm. She thinks that the things that she has done make her a bad person and therefore undeserving of being able to stand up for herself. She feels like she deserves to be treated badly. Mm-hmm. And, and this is Dr. Pavone trying to like remove some of that shame. Mm -hmm. say you know that's this doesn't make you a bad person you can stand up for yourself you can Mm -hmm. you can do all of this and you don't have to feel responsible you'd be angry you know like i get it you know yeah um normal reaction you were not abnormal yeah it, it is it's a validation um that she has not received for doing something for expressing herself in this way and um but yeah. she's also very upset by it, which makes sense mm-hmm. because she's she's go she's doing some of the work here, and and yeah, it's it's a that was a tough session. It was a tough session, and I think this is another place where Pavone is severely disrupting her in a serious way, where sometimes it's come across in like a light, hey, this is Monteverdi kind of way. Um, this is a disruption in a very important, significant way of like, Hey, maybe show emotion, like the emotion you're really feeling here. Stop being um, the cupid doll. Yeah. So yeah. Felicity's reaction, sort of immediate reaction, you know, she's, she's starting to have a breakthrough mm-hmm. and I don't blame her at all. Her reaction is escapism. Yeah. And for her, that's Ben. It's yeah. fun and escapism. And we're going to see them at Dean and DeLuca. Felicity's mopping. Ben is sitting at a table looking at a book. He's researching. Clearly he spends his time off researching in Dean and DeLuca. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's, uh, or I don't know, maybe he's on a break. But I don't think anybody else was in Dean and DeLuca. So I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. So Ben's researching the trip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now they... Now they've, they've finished closing up and now they relocate to the basketball court where they're going to talk about Vienna. Maybe we can get a URL pass. This, that would be fine. Imagine what this trip could look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Felicity still has some, some reservations. I mean, don't you think it might be a little awkward? Because, you know, we were together. And Ben... Ben's really seeing her so many times in this episode and he's like well what's more awkward leaving or staying because you really don't look like you're happy here and he's right just like I don't yeah you don't (laughs) like as I said that's what I meant and and she explains to him why she hasn't been happy you know she says look my parents are splitting up and it's, it's kind of like Ben is like, okay, like, I'm sorry that that's happening. And he didn't realize why she was so sad. Yeah. So I, think like I had is, no idea, but he kind of, I mean, that probably yeah. tracked for him based on everything that he had been seeing with all the times Edward Porter showed up in Dean and DeLuca and it, the, the mood shifted abruptly yeah. so that probably is like yeah 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 got it 
that lines yeah. up. Um, I mean, it's got nothing to do with school, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it is something that he noticed. And he had asked as much, you know, when they were breaking into the pool and they were swimming and he was like, is everything okay with your dad? Yeah. Um, He had directly asked, she didn't answer, but he, he saw something was up. And so this lines up um, for him. I like that he is just listening to her here. Mm -hmm. He's, he's not pushing her in any direction really. She's sharing I mean, this pretty big deal with him, and he's just. Yeah, it, he's he's certainly not using it as leverage or anything, but I don't know. That smile he has is it's it put pressure on anyone, I think. Yeah, like, but he's he's not he's not saying yeah, anything, not you know, like trying. he's he's yeah, I, I mean, he's just being cute because he's how right. can Scott Speedman not be cute, but exactly. like um, it's, hard. it's hard not want to just go to Europe yeah but he in this moment to his credit is not saying like deflecting back to the Europe conversation he's sitting with her in this conversation for as long as they give us for it which isn't very long but Felicity says to him honestly thinking about this is like the only fun I'm having but you know I'm not sure that I'm quite in the same place as you and he's like all right and he shoots a hoop um She's she's not there yet. <laughs> no. We'll see. We'll get back there in a minute though, won't we? So um, you know, the next time we see her, uh let's see, I'm looking through she, the next time Mom we see her, she's in meal. another freaking fuzzy sweater. Yeah. It's a different color, which let me just point out means somebody saw the style of this sweater. Mm-hmm. and bought two yeah um it's not okay this is yet another really devastating conversation yeah and is. she has it with her mom and and i'm devastated for both of them yep. in this conversation like almost equally which is not the feeling I have with the conversations that she's having with her dad. Right. In this, I feel like, and I don't know if it's because I relate more to her mom or I don't know. I, the mom is much more sympathetic than her dad. Yeah. We don't get a lot of emotion from him. Uh, We don't get his inner thoughts. He isn't sharing with her. He's being a dick. And while her mom also hasn't done great things, she's being vulnerable. She's sharing. She, you know. And here's the thing. What we've seen from her mom's communication style to this point in many ways looks like if Felicity continues to repress (laughs) her thoughts and feelings, this is her in however many years. Um, you know, I think back to the very, like that first, first awkward dinner that she had when her, when she first moved to New York and her parents were trying to, I don't know, they had the whole thing over Tuesday night dinners. And then, then, then you have the second follow-up dinner where Felicity puts her foot down and says, I'm staying in New York. I think about all that. And I think about how Edward Porter was dominating that conversation. He was making big claims about what both of his parents would tolerate, what both of her parents would tolerate. And didn't really seem like he was consulting Barbara 
with some of the stuff that he was throwing out there, some of the ultimatums he was issuing. And I remember him throwing out an ultimatum and watching her face and remarking on it when we were talking about that episode where it's like, did you see the way she just like swallowed a thousand words instead of saying them at the table? Um, That's what Felicity has grown up to do so far. And this is like a real, hey, cautionary tale you could be me if you keep going down this track although that's that's not what her mom says no it's not her mom hasn't had that realization but it's i think why there are so many layers to this conversation for me yeah but Um, what they actually say her so they they sit down for a mom and felicity meal barbara porter says ask me questions. They don't all have easy answers. She's saying that she looks, she looks nervous about it, you know, but um, Felicity is kind of, Felicity has formed some judgments about her mom here. And, um, you know, she's like her, her mom saying, I don't really no, I feel like I've been in your dad's shadow. I don't really know who I am. Basically the type of stuff that Felicity has been saying to Dr. Pavone. It's exactly what Felicity has been saying. Her mom starts out by saying, I'm trying to figure out who I am. Mm-hmm. And this is the third person that we've seen, you know, that I clocked as just being really lost. Yeah. Felicity says, well, can you figure it out with dad? Yeah, she she said that she feels secure with them together. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know what this means. She wants to put the she wants to put it back together. She wants to put the pieces back together for herself, Felicity, in this conversation. And, and it's not her dad who's walking away. It's right? her, it's the mom, right? So it's like, well, maybe if I work on my mom here a little bit, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, she's we... blaming her. She's like, why are you doing this? Yeah. And her mom's like, you know, I just don't think that I can. I don't, I don't think I can figure out who I am with your dad. And Felicity is like, well, isn't that how it works in relationships? You marry somebody, you have problems, you work through it. You don't break up the family. <sighs> Barbara's like, oh man, I'm sorry. You see it that way. She's not telling Felicity she's wrong. She's not defending herself. This is, this is a cross that Barbara is bearing. Um, she's just like, yeah, I've been in, been in your dad's shadow. Felicity. Yeah. And Felicity is like, then why did you get married? Mm -hmm. And that's the question. And then she lingers with that, which, you know what, in a, in a real life relationship, you could probably ask that very same question to a whole lot of relationships and they might have different answers. Um, and all felt like compelling enough reasons for a person to stay in the safety of being in a relationship. But Felicity has a follow-up question here that takes us down a very specific road. She says, why did you get married? Then she says, were you pregnant? No. Barbara Porter looks down and she's like, there were so many reasons why. And Felicity was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, you had me. Right. It's her fault mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And 
He's like, I can't tell you how many people I know who this is, this is the pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it certainly was, say, in my grandparents' generation, right? Mm-hmm. My grandmother got married to my grandfather. Why? I mean, <laughs> we had this picture of my grandmother in her wedding dress. And um, it's just a picture of her. You know, there's other pictures with all of them together. It's beautiful and, and framed in black and white. And my mom gave it to me as like a present. She got it framed and gave it to me. And I remember saying to her, oh, this is so nice. You're giving me a picture of, of my grandma and you. Because she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this happens. This mm-hmm. happens a lot. And I think it happens today also because, you know, online dating and such. And it's marriage is such like an open option. Like it's not necessarily what you have to do. Mm-hmm. That sometimes it does take a kid to yeah. come along and convince people, oh, yeah, I guess we should get married now because guess what? It matters for taxes and, you know, or maybe your family is part of that decision. Um, I think it's still a very common reason why people get married. Yeah. And then you look at this dynamic and where these two women are at this point in their lives. And it's like, wow, Felicity was really wired to take this kind of responsibility because she kept, she literally kept the family together probably from conception. Yeah before she was even cognizant of it and she starts to cry again Mm -hmm. she spends a lot of this episode crying and her mom you know it's like her mom can't even really comfort her in this situation because her mom's going through it and it's like i'm sorry that's what happened and this is where i'm at now and this is why i need to find myself you know like She's not, she didn't say the words that I just said, but it's like, this is the raw data, (laughs) you know, like I'm making the choices that I'm making now because of these reasons. And like, this is, this is me taking my right now in life and finding the new path. And, um, yeah, you would hope that it would be a little more inspirational, to Felicity but she she's not Barbara is not ready to leave her with like the the um you know the more you know like you know like we're not getting the 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 swelling music the inspirational speech we're getting the you have questions try to give you answers and boy were they honest yeah I mean I feel like such a little thing would have gone really far here like yes I I was pregnant and, you know, I love that I got you as, as a daughter out of that. Yeah. But now I'm finding my own path. And she doesn't give us any of that in this conversation. No, she just gives us the, the info. And I think that, yeah, well, that certainly makes Felicity real. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a little thing, but it just shows you 
how little her mom and dad are thinking about her. Yeah. It's almost like they don't see her as a person. Yeah. I mean, it's just, or I don't know that they, that they think that, you know, she's old enough that she can handle all this or that they've always relied on her being in this role. And now they're just verbalizing what that role is. You know, it's like, they don't, um, she's always been a cog in the wheel of this relationship. And so this is just a really extreme time. And, um, and also, you know, Felicity kind of came at Barbara with a couple of those comments, like you're breaking up the family. You're, You're like, she's, she's coming at her with some judgment. And so it puts Barbara in a position of having to defend herself. She may not be thinking about, uh, and she's clearly not thinking about finding ways to soften this for Felicity. She's, she's just having to like stand on her own two feet with these revelations herself. And she obviously in this moment does not have the tools (laughs) to like figure out how to take care of her daughter and her in this situation. So it's not pretty. Makes complete sense for why Felicity doesn't know how to do these things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then you've got, and and that's already what was happening for Barbara. And then you've got the added complication of like Edward Porter going rogue and, you know, like making her the bad guy and all this stuff. And it's just like, man, um, she's not being, she's not thinking about Felicity here. And I do take her, you know, I, I do take fault with her for that. And the deck is really stacked. <laughs> you know, it's like, she's got a lot to sift through here. So, I mean, look, Barbara Porter is not always the lovable, huggable character you want her to be in this series by a long shot. And uh, I have some compassion for the realizations she's having at this time in her life. And she's also not always the one who's making life smoother for felicity she often makes it more difficult so yeah but we have to remember parents are people too sure are it's true just like the rest of us but from this conversation sorry if that was a revelation for for others who are listening Mm -hmm. and maybe missed our earlier (laughs) episode Mm -hmm. yeah parents are people too yeah they're humans with flaws and um well from this conversation when now that felicity knows like oh i'm why my parents got married and my my mom's so miserable and they're getting divorced now what should i do i'm gonna go to the basketball court (laughs) go to your fun and happy spot go to the smile Uh, i just want to give whoever picked it these sets major props these basketball sets are amazing um there are some puddles that have some really beautiful light shining off of them (laughs) in these scenes yeah i mean it's at night it's all like monochromatic it's dark it looks i mean honestly i think it looks gorgeous Mm -hmm. um it's got like the industrial you know metal feel from the basketball i mean it's i I would watch like a whole play just set <laughs> in this setting. There's going to be a lot of scenes 
at this basketball court. It's a really nice location. The night shoots are really beautiful to see how they, how they did this. Um, I totally agree with you, but yeah, full city shows at the basketball court and Ben's shooting hoops by himself and which he's apparently that's all he does. Uh, and yeah, it's okay with me too. He's coping. And, um, Felicity, he sees Felicity, stops in his tracks, walks over to her. She's like, so let's drop out. Yep. He just smiles. And she yeah. Does she, she does, you know, a bit of her impulsive thing. I mean, I get that it was brought on by something, but it's still impulsive. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where I think your note about body language really comes in. Because while she says, let's drop out, she does not smile. She mm. does not have happy body language. Mm-mm. But, but man, is it nice to see Ben smile. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say anything. I think that's notable too. He doesn't say yes or no, or he says nothing. He turns around, shoots another layup or whatever that is. Uh, so I, um, I don't know. He's in sort of observation mode. Yeah. She came to him. She said this. Um, yeah. I think he's just happy she's around. Yeah, he's happy to have her around. Uh, and they both want to continue this fantasy, you know? It's like yeah. we both need to think about this. Um, but then, next scene we get. Oh, God, I love the scene. The um, turn of the Pavone. Mm-hmm. We're back in Pavone's office. So why Vienna? Felicity makes a joke. You know, this <laughs> monumental sites as awesome as Paris or Rome or whatever she says. And Pavon's like, oh my God, okay, this girl. Uh, <laughs> we've got a lot of work to do. Um, and then, you know, Pavon digs in a little bit more. She's like, okay, why did you come here? Felicity's like, I'm getting so tired of this question. For Ben, I came for Ben. And it's like, no, 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 to New York. I mean, like today. Why did you come to my office today? Yeah, if you are leaving, mm-hmm. why are you here? Yeah, it's like oh, I and, wanted to say goodbye, and thanks, you know, all that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, of course, the polite Felicity is back. She's like, mm-hmm. I just came to thank you. Yeah, you know the rigmarole of it all. Yeah, everyone's like, hmm, could have done that by email or voicemail. Yeah, she's not. She's not. She's done with the plate. She's already said that. Dr. Pavone does not like polite Felicity. So yeah. she's not going to help her out. She, she's like, you want me to talk you out of it? Felicity's like, no. She's like, because I'm not going to talk you out of it. But great. And then Pavone switches direction to the probably the thing that really needed to be talked about. Yep. So how did it go with your folks? That was, was it, I was dinner? Or was it just the trip? Well, how did it go with your folks? Like, I guess would be just in general, in general, or like maybe the conversation with her mom um, Mm -hmm. has certainly happened since we've seen Pavone. And And, it's like bad. My interpretation of what Felicity means when she says that is the conversation she had with her mom. But I, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, in general, frankly, it does kind of cover the whole. Yeah, it pretty well sums up the yeah. entire experience she's having with her parents. She's like, bad. Pavone's yeah. like, right, right, right. We're going to need more than a word. <laughs> like, 
she can't just say bad and then clam up. She's like really bad. She, the phone's like, uh huh. Horrible. It's horrible. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. And then Felicity gets into like the saddest story of all time. So she's like, yeah. it, I just remember the last time I felt that way. The phone's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, when did you feel like that before? Felicity then tells a story about the first time she went to ballet camp and she 10 years old and Mm -hmm. it's sleepaway camp 10 year old sleepaway ballet camp she hated it she despised it so much she came back a day early somehow she got back from camp by herself a day early and resourceful 10 year old very resourceful and um she discovered upon arriving a day too soon back at home that her mom had been sleeping in the guest room and her parents, you can just picture it. Like her parents sort of straightened up and got embarrassed about it. Nobody talked about it and they smoothed it over. And she says, it was so awkward at dinner that night that I just told them how much I loved ballet camp just to change the conversation. And then sure enough, went to ballet camp the next four summers. Yeah. And she says that, when she came home parents were embarrassed it was uncomfortable and they didn't talk about it yeah they just didn't talk about it uh but it was still really awkward and that's why she went into her thing i hear you felicity hey family units not talking about things when you know they're awkward doesn't make them go away yeah it's my message to you my family operated (laughs) Yep. Oh boy. This is what it translates to at some point, right? This kind of story. And then, you know, it's like, oh, well, we had to pay for four summers with a ballet camp. Mm -hmm. uh, You just had a conversation. Yeah. Well, Pavone says it's not an easy job to keep the family happy. And this is the moment i want to give a carrie russell acting award here yeah and you know i'm sure there are a lot of carrie russell acting awards we could give across the whole series i remember the first time i saw this episode this is when i knew how amazing carrie russell was her face so when pavone says it must be hard to keep the family happy and you watch, actually, I was going to ask you, Fish, do you have the script open still? Because if not, I want you to pull it open to this and I'll filibuster because I want to know what the <laughs> script actually told her to do here. Um, because yeah. what Felicity, the meal that Carrie Russell makes out of silence in this response is astonishing. And says, um, so Dr. Pavone says, it's a hard job, isn't it? Keeping the family happy. And then it says in parentheses, long pause, this sinks in. Oh my God. That's all the script said? Yep. Oh, Carrie Russell, bonus, triple bonus, <laughs> quadruple, a million points for Felicity. Um, oh my God long pause this sinks in okay uh guys if you don't remember this scene go back 
if you haven't watched already for this podcast and watch Carrie Russell's face, keeping the family happy, long pause. And you watch in this subtle, like her face is barely even moving. And I watched as the realization hit her. It was like, she's sitting there. She's letting that process. She's letting that process. And you can see the subtle shift in her face. The moment she's like, oh my God, that's it. And it just, I, I don't know something, something about that scene. It was the first time that I really sat with it and went it. I remember the first time I watched it, it actually took me out of the episode for a second. Cause I was like, wow, that, that was special. Um, just, just incredible. And just to know that that was a direction they gave her that led to that is bananas. <laughs> like if you give me that direction fish, I'd be like, huh. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know and then you get like a 20 second pause of felicity's face just i don't even know how to describe it because that's how amazing she is gosh um pavone sees that she has this revelation and then she, and then felicity says like i think that's it i think that's why i came to new york pavone's like yeah makes a whole lot of sense yeah, she's like, who wouldn't need a break from that? Yeah, gosh, it's a lot. But and then she a, circles it back. Yeah, she's still got to answer the initial question, right? Because it, this is a moment, right? Mm-hmm. She's planning on going to Vienna. So why? Why but, Vienna? Why are you still planning on going to, mm-hmm. going to Vienna? Uh, well, so I just feel so lost here. Yeah. And she is, she's just lost. And as we've seen from Ben and her mother and and others we can talk about, Pavone very wisely says, the thing about being lost is you can be lost anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I love that sentiment, not just for being lost, but really Anytime you're trying to run away from trouble mm-hmm. that you have, unless it's actually like, you know, the okay corral and someone's coming to get you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you try to run from emotional trouble, it, it follows you because it's you. It, it's, it's most often an internal change that needs to happen because Again, so what we have here is Felicity not not being able to delineate internal boundaries between what's her responsibility and what's not. Mm-hmm. And if she goes away to Vienna, especially with Ben, that lesson is not learned. And she will repeat the same things, blaming herself when it's not her responsibility, taking too much on. Like, sure, maybe she could learn some of the stuff in Vienna, but she could also do it here where she's already enrolled in college and come out with a degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that line from Pavone 
the thing, you know, the thing about being lost, you could be lost anywhere, um, is very important and very impactful. And one of my favorite lines from this episode, I do think that I don't, I can think of examples where you should run from a situation or you could run from a situation and that could be a good option to get yourself to like a safer space for yourself mentally or physically. Um, sometimes that is the, like, even though you are still taking all of your thoughts and feelings and emotions with you to that new place, if it's creating a space where you're safer to now be able to unpack it all, yes, you're still going to have to unpack it all and deal with it and have all that with you. But I do believe that there are some situations where I'm not sure that you should stay where you are to continue taking more of what you're taking. This, however, doesn't feel like that situation. This feels like a situation where, um, Felicity has some skills that she can build in how she communicates and how she sees herself in this dynamic. And she could do it in place, even though it might be really unpalatable or undesirable for her to want to do that. Like it's, you know, here it is. So I do say like with caution, that wisdom from Pavone, but (laughs) I, I think it's incredibly smart here. And, um, and I do, I do value that, that wisdom that yeah. she shares. I mean, when you are, when you are in the same physical space as, you know, those that are creating, you know, pain or, or stopping you from making realizations or, you know, becoming a more integrated self, then getting even physical distance makes sense Mm -hmm. and, and getting to a place where you can process. Now it may not matter where that place is as long as you can, you can remove yourself from a situation. You can move yourself from people, but you can't remove yourself from yourself. Right. Right. (laughs) And so I think, you know, the point here is that Vienna doesn't make sense. Your parents' basement, probably not the best place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a good kind of distinction to make. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. And, um, gosh. And, you know, we are seeing a bunch of different people in this episode who are lost at all different places in their life and all different phases. And at the moment, we're seeing all of them in New York. But, you know, they were lost anyway. Her parents were lost in California before they came here. So, yeah, uh, well, and, you know, this whole Vienna thing, um, I mean, we don't get to see Megan, but we always feel her presence Mm -hmm. and of course being the helicopters that they are the second they hear anything uh about felicity's life her parents have to show up at her door and get involved yep Yep. uh so so her dad told them they were packing for vienna yep told told her dad that and um and the phone tree got activated. Yep. 
her mom went into panic mode and her dad went into, this is not happening. I'm going to make it not happen. And so they just show up. <sighs> yeah. And then like almost immediately perceive, uh, proceed to make it about them again. Yeah. Uh, it's like, like Felicity's mom's like, yeah, I kind of panicked when I heard Felicity's like, I'm not going. And but then they're immediately like, but you know, Barbara makes a comment about herself and she's like, all right, okay, here we go. Yeah, I I will give them credit for this. Um her mom says, you know, we wish it wasn't so hard. And um, but what I really think is important. And I'm not a big fan of the both here. I mean, she should speak for herself and let her dad speak for himself. Mm-hmm. But she says, we both love you. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really important mm-hmm. to say at this point in time. Yeah. And that is something that that Felicity has that, you know, I think not everyone does. And I think it, it makes, it, it just makes a big difference mm-hmm. to know, like, even if there's one person out there that you are loved. Mm-hmm. And so while Felicity, you know, does kind of look down and get quiet, she says, I love you too. I don't know how she's feeling about her mom versus her dad here. But what I see is that she hugs her mom and her dad just sort of watches the hug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, gosh, these people. Um, and the thing is, like, well, you know, I think in the most generous interpretation of this, Edward Porter's thinking, okay, this woman's about to, you know, my wife's about to leave and, you know, tonight and these are the precious moments she has and I'm going to still be here in New York to continue to helicopter and show up at the end of Luke as many times as I possibly can. So I don't know, in the absolute most generous interpretation of this, he's giving them a moment to have and figures I'll have more. He's not exactly a warm and fuzzy guy though. Outside yeah, of those I mean, moments. I don't know that um, that saying that he also loves his daughter is going to ruin the moment. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, finding out that Felicity was in like really big trouble and hearing her say in an earlier scene, like, uh, I just I broke into the pool. It was the night that I found out about you and mom. Nope. Not giving her any anything for that he's like it was embarrassing you fool you child this is a stupid yep. prank like you know she yep. gets no sympathy from him gosh no because he was embarrassed and yeah. guess what it's all about him yeah i don't know he's got he's uh he's a piece of work anyway but thankfully that is not the final scene it's we not. get to go back to that beautiful nighttime shot of the basketball. This court. is like beautifully done. This scene, um, all the, all the things that they did with this scene. Yeah. The they're at the basketball court again. Felicity has come to find Ben, and she, 
you know, she's going to give him her answer. I can't go to Vienna. Can't do it. He's just kind of like, yeah, I know. Like, I really didn't think you were going to. And I like the way he says it. You know, he's like, I could just tell your heart wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was reading her body language. Yeah. And he's he didn't even buy the tickets. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. how much he was figuring. He didn't even buy his own ticket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he says. I'm going to let you give the optimistic view of what he says next before, before I get the cynical one. So I'm assuming that you're the line that you're thinking of is I'm not going without, I wouldn't go without you. So she's, is that the line you're thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, I can't go. He's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't honestly think you were going to. And you know, he didn't even, so she finds out like, Oh, you didn't even buy the tickets and like you're not even going. And Ben says, yeah, I wouldn't go without you. And um. I think that this was their fantasy together. He brought it up to begin with. She was like, oh, let's entertain this. Let's talk about this. And now they've been bonding over the idea of this vacation, over this trip. And so for him, I think she's an integral part of that being a good experience for him. So he was like, no, if you're not part of it, there's really no point. Yeah, I didn't give him that much credit. (laughs) Um, I mean, originally he was thinking about going by himself, I think. Like, he was looking into tickets without her. Mm -hmm. And his face changed when she made a joke about coming with him. Mm -hmm. He was like, oh, okay. Uh, That would be amazing. Um, I don't think he likes to be alone. Mm -hmm. I think he is extroverted. And you could tell in sort of the desperate way that he pleaded with her to go on the road trip with him over the summer. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it had to be her, mm-hmm. but I think he wanted to go with someone. I think on the road wanted, trip. No, uh, to um, to Vienna. No, I think that he is, he has two purposes in life. He had two purposes in life as of episode two, as episode 10. One was to swim and one was to find his way back to Felicity. Swimming was then promptly taken out of his grasp entirely. And it kind of leaves you the sense that the only thing that's motivating him day to day is now Felicity, certainly not school. And so this idea of the trip once he kind of knew, oh, this could be a thing that I do with Felicity. I think, I, I don't think this was about, it could be anybody. I think that he's at a place where he has only that motivation in his world. I don't know. I feel like there was a difference between this episode and the first part. Because even though swimming was taken away from him, I did feel that about him in the previous episode. Mm-hmm he was really focused on her and he was like, how am I going to kind of get back to her? But at this point where they're caught and he has to go through stuff and, you know, put out effort and see this woman and he's just done with school. I don't think when he originally was looking for courier 
tickets that he is thinking about Felicity. I think he's thinking about going, but what he really wants is like a partner in crime. He wants someone to drop out of school with him and to be taking the same journey because it's scary to do it on your own. And I think he would love it if it were her, but I don't think it had to be her. Mm. I think it could have been like another guy. Mm. I disagree. I, I think that he, I think at the start of this episode, he's thinking about the courier tickets. And I think that he's, I mean, you have to remember this is a part, this was supposed to be, this is a part two of the part one that we're referencing. And unfortunately it's now been two weeks real time and our time. Well, no, actually we had less time because we, our recording schedule allowed for a less time break, but in real time, it was a two week break, but it should have been that this immediately followed part one where they set up that whole thing of saying, well, you know, Ben saying, um, I, I think I, it was a mistake to walk away from Felicity. I, you know, I'm, I want to try to get back closer with her. And then he, they, they do this thing where they break into the pool together. And I think that he's so focused on Felicity in this episode. The thing is, He's doing it in an observational non-dialogue way, but he is the person in this episode who seems to be most tuned to the frequency of what's actually happening with Felicity other than Pavone. You know, Pavone's actually getting all the language and all the words, but nobody else in this episode, Felicity's parents, all of Felicity's other friends, none of them have been like really asking her how she's doing Most of them don't even know all the stuff she's dealing with. Ben's the only person who she talks to outside of Pavone about all this. And she only does that because Ben knows there's something wrong. He's like, I've been watching you. I've been paying attention. You're not okay. And like, it makes her comfortable to share why. But he is, to me, completely focused on Felicity for this whole episode. It does feel like that in in the absence of other people. Mm-hmm. Kind I of do checking think that's in. an issue with it, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm just going to, we're going to have to agree to disagree here. I yeah. don't. And again, you've seen more. So maybe he's just like in all the future episodes completely devoted to her. I I think even, well, yeah, there's going to be some of that. But I think even in what they've shown us in episode 10 and episode 12, they've made it really clear that he is. I think that the idea of Vienna, the idea of the trip to Europe is an escapism idea for him as well. A way for him to like have some semblance of control of decisions in his life where he didn't have that about swim, the swim program. Um, the, I think that he was probably confronted with the fact that if he was going to do this Europe thing, he, it was either Europe or Felicity. So I don't know how seriously he was investigating it, but when he drops it in front of Felicity at the start of this episode, she's like, I should probably do that with you. Now all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, it doesn't have to be an either or we could talk about this and fantasize this about this together because whether or not we end up doing this is still our thing. And I, I mean, again, I, I agree that once she becomes involved, 
like he would love for it to be her but mm-hmm. when he started it wasn't about her mm-hmm. and in the end like had somebody else been willing to drop out with him and had you know other scenes with him then we got to see you know what was going on there i mean i felt a real shift when he had to go into dr pavone's office Mm -hmm. and then he was like screw her and i'm not doing this and so there is an internal tension i think within him yeah where it's like yes i want felicity i also want control over my own life and so if he if he can't have both of those things i mean we don't really know because nobody else offered well and he's not putting in himself in a position for anybody else to offer almost every single time we see ben in this episode he's by himself he's yeah constantly playing basketball with nobody else on the court he's in dean and deluca studying with only her in all of dean and deluca (laughs) like he's he keeps showing up in places alone yeah i mean but we don't get any loft scenes we don't get any like scenes where he'd be with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm just not hundred percent convinced, but yeah. again, I do think he very much like she's by far his preference. Yeah. Um, if he was going to do this mm-hmm. and, but he's, he doesn't have anyone else. And he, and he's like, well, if I have to make a choice between kind of, going on this trip alone or maybe I'm thinking about it some more. I do still want to see what's going on with Felicity. Now I'm going to have to go see smelly old Dr. Pavone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I give him a lot of credit for getting help. And you know, this is, this is a decision. It. And now we're going to start to see uh, Ben and Pavone. And yes, we are going to see how much, improving himself for Felicity and being the kind of guy that Felicity would want is going to be influencing him in the coming episodes. Interesting. Cause he does, you know, he says, what about a trip over the summer? Yeah. Um, I thought the music in this scene was a bit much for me. Hmm. It was, it, it kind of took me out of it. It was like really loud in comparison to the dialogue. Hmm. And it was like super happy amazingness after like this whole thing and I you know I don't know it was a bit much but I did love the way it was shot though yes the playing basketball together he he's he's like what do we do now and she's just like passes the ball and it's like okay shoot so she she made it she did and And then we see him playing a little one-on-one yeah and Ben finally had somebody to play basketball (laughs) (laughs) even though can't imagine Felicity in her overcoat is (laughs) probably not as normal sparring partner here but that's okay it's all right it's a cute little thing he'll he'll go easy um and then the I, laugh that carrie russell gives at the end that's exactly what i was gonna say i like laugh. yeah i like that we end this episode for the for like a while now right like since the pool mm-hmm. i don't think we've heard her laugh and no. i love that we end with just her with a really genuine happy laugh yeah 
I think Carrie Russell's laugh is so funny because she's, it's not the laugh you expect to come out of her mouth. And that's her laugh. If you see her in an interviews or if you see her with her, her husband, Matthew Reese, or like, it's, it's, uh, her laugh is like this really jarring <laughs> cackle. <laughs> and it's like, what's happening? Um, but it's so real. And I think they just got a real laugh out of her for that and kept it in. And um, it was nice to hear. But it does put them, it's like they're, they're, they're still uh, in doing this, they're still right now presented as each other's sort of escape. And then certainly being presented as the escape for Felicity. And, um, and they're playing, Mm -hmm. you know, she just, when does she get to play? And, you know, she's taking this moment to do that. So this is um, this is kind of where they're at. And this is the type of stuff where I was sort of uh, cautioning you that like, I, I know you've been wanting a real reckoning, but they give you stuff like this right now where it's like, they're just sort of, they've just sort of been melting into this new status, this sort of unconfirmed, this is what we are. There hasn't been a should we play basketball or not conversation? It's like, uh, they're just doing this. So like, I don't know. How do you feel about seeing, uh, I, you've, you've said so many times you were looking for some kind of a reckoning. You didn't get it for the whole first half of the season. And then we see what we see in episode 10 and episode 12. How, how are you feeling about what they're presenting to us? Well, when I think about kind of what happened with um, with Noel and with Julie, so Julie, something happens, right? They're stuck underground mm-hmm. and they sort of come out of that in a better place mm-hmm. and work from there. And with Noel, you know, it it took some external things, I think, going on with him to help his own, you know, self-esteem and Ruby comes along, who's kind of perfect for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's able to get to a place where the two of them can start building another relationship. Mm -hmm. For me, I do kind of feel like the same thing happened here. Um, External influences, right? Felicity really needing to blow off steam mm-hmm. and Ben not having the swim team anymore pushed the two of them together into an activity, right? Mm-hmm. That then helped them on their journey. So it, it, it wasn't, you know, a, a verbal reckoning, but it was an experience that they had together that made their relationship you know, at least the journey to having a better relationship possible. And so I do see this. I saw the pool scene as the reckoning. Okay. So this is enough for you for right now to, to be on this plane with them. Yes. Okay. I'm glad to hear that because it is murky like this um, with them. And they just sort of I think the word melt is really coming to my mind here. Cause it's like, they just sort of ooze into wherever they are right now. And um, I do think that they're in two very different places with each other right now, even within this, but um, yeah, we'll see. 
I, I do, I think part of my stance earlier is knowing a little bit of, of like even immediately coming up, like Ben's going to be like really focused on Felicity in some of these Pavone conversations and Pavone's going to be like, what are, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's wrong with you, man? What do you want? <laughs> he's going to be, he's going to go a little, little obsessive. All right. He's just, he doesn't know. He does not know who he is. I mean, doesn't seem like many of them do, but that's kind of what life is like. Yeah, it is. And I think, I I don't know if I, uh, hmm, it'll be interesting to look at it and think, is this obsessive? I think it's like, it's the only fixed point in his world in a way. Um, This idea that he, he, he wants to be back in Felicity's orbit is like the only truth that he has, (laughs) you know, like, and Pavone's going to be like, right. And who are you in this situation? <laughs> um, and so I think that's a really interesting thing to explore, which is one of the reasons I love Ben's stuff in the back half of season two, because Pavone is really going to be like, we need to figure out who you are, buddy. <laughs> like, and I think Ben needs that right now. I think everybody probably needs that around this time. Um, and he just he goes on such interesting journeys yeah and that's how i would think about the two of them is you know they've each got their separate journey but they're kind of wending their way towards each other it's it's a slightly less dairy centric metaphor mm-hmm. but that's that's the way that i'm thinking about it yeah i think you're right i mean i think well they've positioned it with so many of the characters in this episode where it's like who are you what are you doing right now what are you going to do under these wildly different circumstances than what you were expecting? And they all have to kind of figure out who they are in this new dynamic or this new paradigm of the situations they're being given. So I think Felicity and Ben are both, it's being demanded of both characters that there's growth for them for different reasons. And um, I mean, they have to grow up, right. mm -hmm. And establish themselves as independent human beings. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are encountering that at this stage of their lives, whether you're in college or not. So um, it's nice to see all the different ways that they're presenting us that that might play out. It seems like there is one person who's going to have a pretty tough road. Yeah. Shall we get to the Ruby Null stuff? Yeah. Um. so we spent a lot of time on all the stuff we just spent time on because that was the meat and potatoes of this episode. But we've got a couple other storylines here that they give us a little bit about. And boy. Yeah. This is sort of the the gravy or maybe a little sour cream if you're having a baked potato. Mm. Some little chives on top. Yeah. yeah. So we are going to see a brief scene. Noel is the TA again in the classroom. I guess... Noel just handed out some sort of a pop quiz or a blue book test and Ruby is in the class and Noel has a bone to pick with Ruby. I do feel like Noel is hitting a stride as TA. We're seeing him not suck so hard. Yeah. I thought he, he looked like he was presenting and delivering his content very differently, more confidently. Well, he though is going to come up to Ruby because he, he's not so happy with her. He's not. And I I can see his point. Me too. Um, she, she wrote on a blue book 
that's supposed to be anonymous, I know, so that he knew it was her. Uh, she does not seem to think this is an issue. And I disagree with Ruby. Ruby, yeah, say uh, hi, Noel, after class, not on your anonymous <laughs> test. <laughs> I do agree. I think it's it's not appropriate, but I don't think she was looking for special treatment. I don't think him coming up to her and saying, you know, what he did to her was okay. You know, he comes up and he gets on her case. He's like, you shouldn't have done that. Fine. I agree with him. She should not have done that. But for him to say, well, now I know that I have to give you special treatment because I know it's your essay. That I think is a bit much. See that to me, I was okay with how he handled this conversation actually, because she was being so dense. She's like, it's <laughs> fine. I just said, hi, Noel. I don't get why this is an issue. And it, he was like, no, but seriously. Like, this is why I, I thought like, it was actually to me very important on Noel's. If you look, Noel was a terrible RA. Yes. Who didn't really adhere to the rules. And he started out as a terrible TA. Mm -hmm. And now and he's trying not, to be a better TA. Let's not forget that one of the first things out of his mouth as a TA was Ruby, my girlfriend, do you want special treatment? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think like there's probably some rules that you're supposed to be following as a TA. And sure. if I were a TA and somebody did this, I'd be pissed because I want to do my job well and get paid or whatever the arrangement is. I don't want to be kicked out of my position. I don't want to piss off the professor. Like I, I would be like such a rule follower. And if somebody did something like this, I'd be really angry with them because they'd be uh threatening my job that is not noel's issue with this yeah him saying like now i feel like i need to give you special treatment because i know which one is yours to me him articulating that was his way of saying can you not be so flippant about this ruby like you being like it's not a big deal it's a big deal to him and i don't think it was fair for her to be totally oblivious she is position to put him so in. nice and sweet and understanding about all his shit. Suck it up, Noel. Yeah, but also, Ruby, don't do this again. I agree. But he, I think he was out of line saying that he was going to give her special treatment. And I think she knew what he was thinking, which is which he will articulate later when he says that he's an ass like 8 million times. And I agree mm -hmm. all 8 million of them. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, he says, you know, now I know it's my girlfriend's paper. And she's like, well, we can rectify that and leaves. Like mm -hmm. she's pissed at, at the way he's reacting. And I think with Noel's track record of special treatment of girlfriends, mm -hmm. And with the fact he already said that he wanted to give her special treatment and how freaking supportive she is of him all the time and how much of a dick he actually is. And I'm sorry, but he's still coming up as 
as sexist, as misogynist to me. Okay. Right? Because through the whole first season, he's saying all of this stuff that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the, you know, one of the next scenes and he's like, I thought you were too stupid to write like a paper that I could give you an A for. Mm. Yeah, your essay was great. Yay. Um, yeah, I mean, I get I get your point. I don't give if, Ruby a if pass it was here. You, if it was you, I would say you have every right to be upset. Mm-hmm. Noel has no right to be upset at Ruby. Uh, I think he has a right to be upset at Ruby. I think that he, I think that uh, you're right in that she has a certain personality and she's just like this sweet, happy-go-lucky type. And I think he didn't, I think, know your audience in terms of how you're managing the conflict. I think that if he didn't want her writing her name on an anonymous test because of all the obvious conflicts of interest that that brings up in a very technical way, I think he can say that. And then when trying to reinforce it, I think, you know, try to speak to your audience, which in this case is Ruby. And so I think, you know, for her, what might've worked better is like, look, thank you for being supportive. And I really appreciate that you want to say hi. And I want to say hi too. Please don't do that on tests. Like, I think that would have been something he could have said, but I wouldn't be saying you're an ass. So the delivery here is not really matched for Ruby appropriately, but I'm not okay with Ruby having done this either. So it's like, eh. and I do agree with that. I, I agree. She shouldn't, she shouldn't have done that. I, you know, but I also don't think Noel should have reacted in that way. Yeah. But so Ruby though, you know, when he comes back and apologizes, he's like, your essay was great. I'm such an ass. She's still pretty like, um she's not what what's the word for her distracted no like she's she's not she yeah. seems like she hasn't wholly just, accepted the apology she's she's kind of like holding him at arm's length a little bit um well, but the way he said it he was like i'm such an ass like you know you're one of your essay was one of the best in the class and i was treating you like you couldn't write what you wrote mm-hmm and then she's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, she, there's, yeah. Which I we're going to come to interpret, reinterpret later, possibly, right. right? Because she's got a lot on her mind that has nothing to do with any of this. Yeah. And but what she says is so in line with, like, who he seems to be. Mm-hmm. And she's so, I don't know. I think she, I think she's great for him. I think he still is like not being awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping he becomes like more awesome later because I like, I do want to like him. I just, that's such a dick thing to say. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. why would that even be in her head? Mm-hmm. But like, if that's who you are and she knows who you are, then she probably did know that was in your head Mm because of the other things you've said yeah yes um well so with her sort of cool reception to his apology of sorts uh noel is now thrown into an absolute tailspin (laughs) yeah 
which is one of the most delightful scenes in the whole episode, I think, from a comedic standpoint. We're going to cut from a whole bunch of really intense Ben and Felicity and her parents stuff. We're going to get Noel pacing in his apartment in front of Elena and her new lab Lab partner, Tracy, that we haven't met yet. And we're just going to see Scott Foley walking, thinking, pacing, back and forth, in and out of frame. Uh (laughs) Looking back at Tracy and Elena sitting on the couch. And he wants to say something, but he can't Uh quite get it out yet. He's just formulating it. And then he comes out with it. Just this spray of everything he's thinking (laughs) Which is, again, I mean, it's so insulting. I mean, he's, he's going back and forth, and he's like, I, I wish I could be one of those guys. I wish I could just be, you know, one of those guys who, like, doesn't really care and whose girlfriend can just do whatever, and I wouldn't care. And, like, you're probably one of those guys. I mean, right? I mean, you look like one of those guys, but, like, I'm in this tailspin. I want to be like you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, so you're saying that you care that your girlfriend had a reaction to you, and what you really want is to be more of a dick and not care at all about her feelings when she expresses them? Yeah, he's like, I just have this feeling that we're in this downward spiral and it's all my fault. And I just don't know what to do. Yeah, it is. Well, sort of. And and then and then he's he's like, hi, I'm Noel. Yeah. (laughs) That is the best part. He spills his guts completely. Stream of consciousness, all these personal things. And then he like reaches over and shakes Tracy's hand. Yeah, he's like, oh, I forgot to introduce myself. And he's like, look, I want, I want your feedback, but especially yours, Tracy, because I have a feeling Lana would just be like, you're such a jerk, or you're just, just you're such, such a, a uh, geek. You're such a geek. Um, yeah. So, what are your and thoughts, saw, Tracy? Well, I when I first saw Tracy, all I wrote was, yay! So I was very excited, and then I had a hard time focusing on Noel because watching watching Tracy's face mm-hmm. as this whole thing is happening yes he's just one of those people who you can't you can't not smile around yeah and he, Tracy. he was so interested in like what the hell was happening with this guy yeah he's like this is suspicious um <laughs> to say the least is this your roommate uh yeah. <laughs> What is going on here? And you have to know, like, Elena and Tracy don't know each other that well at this point. And so, you know, Noel is asking Tracy for relationship advice. Elena is hanging on every word. She wants to know more about this guy, but doesn't at the same time because it would be such a problem if it turns out. Yeah. She's going to, he is so good looking that, yeah. Yeah. They all chemistry. So, uh, So we are then treated, treated to a a sexy apology from a sexy man. Yeah, and she's like, you know, I just just apologize. I'd be like, hey, baby. (laughs) (laughs) 
one of the only guys in the world who can pull that off. Yeah, there aren't a whole lot of those guys, but yeah. this worked coming out As of Tracy's mouth. we will later now. see, Nola's not one of them. <laughs> like, uh. Hey, baby, you know, like, you're hurting. I just want to help. I'll do anything I can to make it better. <laughs> you know, he's going oh, through this whole just, thing. Very stylized Tracy voice. Uh, uh, and, and Elena, I'm not sure if, if I misheard this or something, but you know, when he's done, I feel like she, she says, God. So, so Tracy tells Noel what he would say. And, you know, he ends up with like, you know, if I'm, if you're hurting, I just want to make it better. And then he says to Noel, he like breaks out of that. And he says to Noel, that's what I would say to my girlfriend. If I had a girlfriend, Right. And then Elena says, God, because <laughs> <laughs> now she knows she's really, really in trouble. Yeah. And this was a very subtle, gentle way for Tracy to be able to put that out there for Elena. Yep. And yep. So but now Noel's, we've got that. Noel is super happy. He's like, great. You were invited back anytime you want, no matter what happens between the two of you. Yeah. And Tracy kind of gives a look at Elena, like, what? Uh, I just love the whole scene. It's I love amazing. it. I love it's... how that this is how we meet Donald Faison. I love yes. that we get comedic Scott Foley. I, I love, love the speech that Tracy arms Noel with to give to yes. Ruby, which then in the very next time we see Noel, he's going to oh. deliver this speech verbatim. Not, not for Bailey. He starts out, but he he certainly misses parts of it, like whole sentences. And it doesn't even matter. You know, from the moment he's like baby, and you're like, oh my god, (laughs) oh no, oh my god, stop, oh no, stop. (laughs) And Ruby, the second he says baby, Ruby's like, yeah. (laughs) And then at at the point when he's like, if you're hurting, I want to make it better. She goes, what? She, she just sort of looks at him and she's like, oddly put, but sweet. Mm-hmm. Oddly put, but sweet. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And I just, because I had written, okay, I had written down uh, for the first speech, so sexy, two exclamation points. Mm-hmm. And then for Noel's version, I wrote, not sexy. Mm-hmm. It needed to be reappropriated in his own voice and words, I feel. Um, I'll be put, but sweet. We know he can do sexy, but like in this scene, that was not, that was not what he was going for. Yeah. He was going for the comedic, Noel cannot do this. I suppose (laughs) though, by being so oddly put, he caught Ruby off guard and she just gets straight into what the real problem is. Because unfortunately, once again, Noel has addressed the problem that isn't really the problem. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Ruby's just like, well, I'm late. And he's like, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Although he doesn't, he doesn't like get up and run away. You know? No, no. Um, He... He actually, I don't think he looks even that freaked out. He's um, taking it in, that's for sure. Yeah. For Noel, I feel like this is a very calm reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Give him time. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe Give this is... Give yeah. him like an episode. Um, 
Yeah, <laughs> she's sort of like, well, it could be nothing. Or maybe I'm pregnant. And he's like, yep. oh, boy. Um, well, he's very, he's very serious about it. And I give him a lot of credit for this reaction. This, I think, is really sexy. Mm-hmm. She kind of leans her head over and he you know, puts his hand on her and says, no matter what, we're okay. And Mm -hmm, she just Mm -hmm. will be okay. And she just says, I know in such a sweet way. That's like, she feels so like safe and has so much like belief in him Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I just kind of, I don't know. I want to like, pinch their little cheeks like they're like as a couple even though noel has done some like really crap things mm-hmm. like this here is this is a man's reaction mm-hmm. and he obviously is a guy who is good for her mm-hmm. because she feels so comfortable and safe with him yeah yeah well, uh, I guess all this will bring me into the notes from an optimist. I probably should have mentioned it during some of the stuff we said about Ben, but I think I was wondering where that was going to come. In. Yeah, I um, I probably should have said it because I, I really was thinking about the Ben stuff. But I think this also matches like the way that Noel handles this. Um, you know, bo- double, triple bonus points for those moments where you can really listen and really look and give somebody time to process and respond. You know, I think. Um, we certainly see characters in this episode that don't do that, that, that deflect a conversation or bring it back around to themselves. But I think we're seeing a huge difference in the quality of what can happen when somebody is really looking at what's happening with the other person and giving them space to to do that. I like, I particularly like it with what we're seeing with Ben and Felicity because you're seeing these moments. He's really looking at her. He's really processing what's happening with her dad in, in those moments of Dean and DeLuca. And then he's able to say to her later, like, I don't think you're happy. I'm watching and you don't look happy. I know you're giving me some other vibes right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm seeing those moments too. And it gives Felicity space to have Ben be the only friend who knows anything that's happening with her. And then I think you get something like this from Noel, where um, this is probably the best reaction that Ruby could have hoped for, where it's just like, okay, we're going to sit with this for a minute. And I'm going to think about how you're really doing here. And I don't know. I think, I think that that's a really beautiful way to be in a conversation where you can acknowledge what somebody else is feeling and like kind of hold a little space for that. And uh We see some examples here of people doing it and some are people don't and quite different results. Yeah, both for them and for the people they're with. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what, that is what our message is mm -hmm. from, from our optimists today. That's it. Actually listen to, hold space for the people you love, be kind to them. Don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's pretty much that's that's the summary. Yeah. 
Well, Fish, I believe that you have a couple of censorable lines here. Shall we head, in the, head into the what the glove did they say segment? I think that would be wonderful. Okay. Um, there wasn't much uh, that was censorable. So going to be a short one, but I've got two. And the first one is on the basketball court okay. where Felicity and Ben are just you know, first talking about this potential trip to Prague. Mm-hmm. And Felicity says, well, let me know if you're really going, because I should probably with you. And then there's a note in the, uh, the script that says, Ben's intrigued. <laughs> Felicity says, I'm kidding. And Ben says, well, you know, if you wanted to, I mean... If you decided to do that, then I'd do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one. Okay. Yes. And the second one is when her dad comes into her room and is being a jerk. He sits on her bed and says, it was a little embarrassing learning that your daughter had been caught drunk on university property. Now we can only we can only wish we had a scene of Felicity and Ben drunk on university property. But if they hadn't been swimming, what what would they have been doing, Melissa? Shearing sheep. Yes, yes. That that was my second thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely up there. Yes, that's it. Yes, that's what they would have been doing. Not good to do drunk and definitely not good to do on university property. I would have switched those two. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not good to do on university property. Definitely not good to do drunk. Okay. Poor sheep. But uh, yes, I take your point. Well, especially when you consider that earlier in our podcast days, one of us posited that you had to kill a sheep to get the wool. That Look actually now. got said on this podcast. If you scroll way back in the files, um, it was shocking. <laughs> Absolutely stunning. Look now. Yeah. And that, my friends, was the what the club yeah, did, did they happen. say segment. It did. I'm not even making it up. It was real upsetting, but real. Yeah. Um, well, Fish, guess what? We're going to head into our favorite segment. Yay. After you listen to this tape, you have to erase it. I have a whole array of audience feedback that I wanted to put out there for us to consider today. Here's one. I don't even know if there's a particular order here. So how about this? Um, The first one is from, okay, I still, I'm so sorry. Don't know how to pronounce your Instagram account, but I'm going to try. At Anna Kekism. I don't know. Um, that person says, I love Dr. Pavone. What a performance. She was my doctor too. One of my favorite parts is when her parents divorce. And the super important part for me uh, that I plan to teach my daughters, really the whole series, but also this life lesson is the part where she advises uh, Felicity not to go with Ben, but to look after her and her future. I plan to show it to my daughters, definitely. I, I think Felicity is making some really important adult 
realizations and choices here. Um, you know, coming to grips with like the big stuff that's really happening and figuring out how she's going to handle it. She, you know, it's sort of a, a major test in her life. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I would have thought that that would have been the decision made by the writers at the end of the first season, right? Which would mm. have been focus on yourself, don't choose between the two of them. But now it makes a lot more sense that that was something that she needed help to realize, you know? There's that, a lot of payoff to that kind of thing happening now, I think. Yeah. Um, I remember you saying that. And I do think like there's so much wrapped up. Uh, there's there's so much context being put overlapped into her decision this time. She's making a new choice, right? Choice number one was road trip with Ben. And now this is positioned as sort of the opposite, like a, a new choice with completely different context. But we see her being kind of coached into thinking in a way that's really more future oriented. Yeah. And we also have to remember that earlier this season, she said that she thought going on the road trip was a mistake to Noel. Mm. So she's also had some life lessons mm -hmm. because she went across the country with Ben and he ditched her to go to Mexico for the rest of the summer. Yeah. Ooh. Not cool. So thank you very much for that feedback. We love it. Uh, anytime I can say wonderful things about Dr. Pavone, I will. I love her. Love, love, love. Heart. I heart Dr. Pavone. Heart. Um, okay. So probably for the same reasons. She's kind of like my doctor too, I guess, in a way. Um, okay. Now we're going to switch to something far fluffier and more frivolous from Galena <laughs> about Felicity's sweaters. Oh, yeah. Even though Fish hates a lot of the sweaters in season one, Agreed. I must All admit, of them. Mm -hmm, I must admit that I loved Felicity so much that I tried to emulate her style, even down to the oversized jumpers and the small plate that she has in her hair for a lot of season four. Front this one up because we saw a couple of sweaters in this episode that Fish had big time comments about. Look, I have said that her fashion has gotten like a hundred million times better, but I I will say. We took a couple steps back with the really like fluffy pink and other color. I think it was like gray or blue or something. Mm -hmm. uh, that no, just no. no. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we've got somebody who totally has your back here. Um, we have a comment from at insta.mickey. This is likely all in reference to episode two uh, episode 10 uh season two episode 10 so cute to hear fish's happiness over the pool scenes i also love pools and swimming since i was a small kid also i remember almost passing out 20 years ago watching the scene when ben returns to, from the pool to the loft his face and all of his speech to sean I wonder if Ben was going every day to practice and they just didn't show us maybe another crime with others from uh, episode three to nine of season two. Like you guys mentioned, uh, I'm not giving Speedman a lot of, not giving us a lot of Speedman shot, swimming shots was just wrong. Um, 
And this is also in the context of at Insta.Mickey has been sharing a couple other things that we didn't see a lot of at the start of season two that feel like a real miss. Um, like there's just stuff that they didn't give us a lot of. And I think Fish, you have one of those too, of like, why did they keep everybody so separate the whole first half of the season? So uh, Insta.Mickey was kind of chronicling some of that, but the uh, looped in the Ben not being in the pool very much into that. Yeah. I mean, I think the important part to focus on there would be the, you know, partially clothed, wet Scott Speedman. That That's what the crime was. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a plot device, sure, whatever. Yeah. Really, yeah, that, yeah. That's what we're all looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely better than the very short track shorts. I'm so glad they switched. The singlet from plus track. shorts combo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my brutal. goodness. So glad they switched from track to swimming and, you know, sure, basketball involves more clothing, but I love the set. So, and we're getting a lot of smiles out of him. So like, Mm -hmm. I'm not hating the basketball thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's probably a lot easier to shoot than a pool scene too. I'm having, I would have to guess as an actor. Um, So thank you for that at Insta.Mickey. Well, we've got... Okay, so Fish, here's the thing. So we have some help for the Lovelorn feedback. Yeah, I have a feeling like the internet is just saying I'm wrong, <laughs> which is fine with me. I, I am fine. I know who I am. I am my own individual <laughs> person. That is on you. I loved well, it. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. There might be people out there who loved it. Hard to say. If we None haven't of heard from them, responded right. Um, and so here's the thing: I just want to like make this clear. So we we have Fish and I have gotten back at this point to being about a week and a half ahead in our in our in our podcast recording. So what that means is we got this feedback before you, like right after you heard uh, the the first episode back from the season, but we had already done the recording for the podcast for help for the love Lauren. Well, that doesn't mean we don't want to share your feedback. So I am pulling that up now and we're, we're going back to that. Well, we're, we're going to talk about how you felt about the last episode. And that's... Yeah, and she's, she's not happy about it, but she'll do it for you <laughs> I, guys. You know what? I think <laughs> we all, it's cathartic for so many of us. Um, the first one we got, we got an email from Colleen Tenbus, and I have to say, I think Colleen's first sentence here probably matches why we didn't get a ton of feedback about this episode. So Colleen says, I like to pretend help for the love Lauren doesn't exist. <laughs> As a teen when it aired, I was so disappointed with it and couldn't believe I sat through the whole thing. I've since tried to rewatch it probably four or five times, but I've never been able to get past the first 10 minutes or so. The woman who recruits Felicity for the clinic is the stuff of nightmares. I do happen to think Ben and Noel in 50s hair and clothes are about 200 times hotter. Absolutely agree with that last sentence. And if she didn't get more than 10 minutes in, she never got to see the Felicity dance in the stacks or the shirtless Noel scenes. Colleen, you're not missing much. Um, it's fine. Uh, just fast forward to the, the shirtless null scenes. Yeah. I give you credit, Colleen, for trying four or five times. <laughs> that is true. Sometimes it takes me that many times to, to try to get through something. And sometimes I just can't do it. And sometimes I end up really loving it. 
Yeah. Look, I've had a couple people in the conversations on Instagram where they're like, oh, the back half of season two is so great. And I'm like, including helpful love learn. They're like, oh, well, <laughs> other than like, oh, I forgot that was like, so I have a feeling that a lot of people just forget about this one. Maybe it doesn't, it doesn't get included in their rewatch. Um, Cause it does kind of disrupt the flow between episode 10 and episode 12, but Hey, uh, that's fine. Now, Fish, we have another email. I'm going to read it in full. And I had to assure Fish that this wasn't written by me in a pseudonym. Because <laughs> I just, D- dear Mary Berrigan, we love you. This is like sound. I'm going to read this in what I think is your voice. Um, okay. <laughs> Mary's email, the subject line was help for the freaking love, Lauren. <laughs> okay. Now, again, I'm going to try to read this in what I believe Mary Berrigan voices. Okay. Hi, ladies. Aunt Mary 72 here yet again. So help for the love, Lauren, sucks. <laughs> However, I do recognize that this is polarizing. But I maintain if you are into the Twilight Zone, this is 100% your jam. Yep. But if you are not, no! and there is literally nothing anyone can do to convince one side or the other it's like the people with the gene that makes cilantro taste like soap you can try to convince them of the merits of the taste of cilantro at the end of the day all they taste is soap this episode is soap i apologize for yelling at you i have strong feelings also Way back in 2000, I had stopped watching Felicity after the first few episodes of sophomore year. My best friend told me that Ben and Felicity were heating up and needed to start watching again. I did. This is what I got. So (laughs) I'm looking forward to you both analyzing and finding all the things I missed in this episode, but you will never convince me it is not soap. Thanks for the hours of entertainment. Yeah, well, she was right about the polarizing thing. I mean, love it or hate it, I loved it, you hated it. Uh-huh. I guess there aren't many people who are like, yeah, it's like a seven, you know? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so it's we ranged from 0.5 to 9.5, I believe, was our spread. It was wild. Nine points different. Yeah. More than we've given most episodes. Yes. Um, Uh so, you know, it's, uh, it was my thing. I enjoyed it. I've also only seen it the one time, I guess. And by that, I mean, remember seeing it and, you know, I'm older. Like if I saw this when I was 18 or 19, yeah, I probably wouldn't have the best memories of it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you might just be one of those people who thinks cilantro tastes like cilantro. According to Mary's. I, I am one of those people that thinks cilantro tastes like cilantro. My dad thinks it tastes like soap. Yeah, well, there you have it. So, you know, that's that's just life. That's how it is. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you all for all of your feedback. Uh, this was fun and, and wild and good times. Uh, goodness, we always delight in getting feedback of all sorts. And... You know, since I seem to be rolling it in, into it anyway, uh, send us your feedback about anything for Felicity fan art. You can reach us at the Melissa fish at gmail.com. It's Melissa with one L two S's 
themelissafish at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Felicity Podcast. And if you want to know when we drop a new podcast episode, you can sign up for our newsletter. You can do that by going to wherever you're listening to this podcast, look for our show notes, and there's going to be a link to our newsletter sign up there so you can get informed. And if you want to take action to make this podcast easier to find for other Felicity fans, just go ahead and rate or review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. We can all make new friends. So that's a little bit of housekeeping there. Now, Fish, it's time for us to rate this episode. So what did you think of season two, episode 12? I really like this one. Um, I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot to get through. Mm-hmm. But um, so it didn't have the pool scenes, right, um, from episode 10. But mm-hmm. it did have some comedy, which I was missing yeah. from that episode. So, you know, I think I think this this is also, you know, I mean, we're just having three episodes in a row that I really like. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to go with a nine for this one. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I I also, for the moment, love Dr. Pavone. We'll see what happens with that. And I'm excited to see what happens with Ben's new Felicity obsession, considering she did come there stalking him. So, you know, all's fair. Yeah, it'll be cool to get a little bit of a reversal here. Um, You can already start to see him. You know, they've set the tone for that to get started. And Pavone's a really fun element (laughs) to add for Ben. I am enjoying, I mean, I, I enjoyed her since the first second she got on and she was just like, had her back to the screen, like was looking for stuff. I think it's going to be fun to, to look at how and if, cause this isn't something I've thought about a ton on previous rewatches, but like how, what's she doing differently with those yeah. two characters, you know, cause they are obviously people who need different advice and they're, they're very different points of their life, Felicity and Ben. And so like Pavone doesn't need to be doing exactly the same things with them, but I'm curious to see how our techniques might be different between the two. I mean, the two, they're both a bit lost, right? Mm-hmm. is really going through it with her family right now, but during the, you know, season and a half that we've watched, Ben's parents also split up. Mm-hmm. So I don't see them as being so completely far apart but i also don't feel like i've gotten as much into ben's head so they may be really far apart and because i just haven't seen it and and you're gonna you've already seen him verbalize all this stuff that he's gonna talk about with dr pavone Mm -hmm. um i'll see how far apart they are but right now seems like they're they're kind of in a bit of the same interesting spot yeah maybe maybe well okay so you so you gave this one you said nine yes okay i don't remember what i gave episode 10 i can report back to you on this episode 10 you said nine out of 10 
Oh, so I went nine, nine point five, and nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought they were all all nine. So, yeah. Well, um, okay. So I have rated this one in the unit of Cupid dolls. Oh, yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm giving this one eight point seven out of ten. This one would have comfortably sat in the nine range, <laughs> but I took off a whole point seven five for the salad. Oh, I bumped it up. Wow. Because this is wow. nonsense. It's a shenanigans. My I'm not goodness. Stand for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. So there's that. Um, 8.7 out of 10 QB dolls. Honestly, the biggest thing is for the Sally stuff. <laughs> I mean, Pavone, the presence of a Pavone couldn't lift it into the nine range all by itself. So, you know, that's my thoughts. Um, Where did the other 0.25 come from? Well, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say this is a perfect episode, but I have rated this at a 10 if I compare it up against uh, other 10s that I have that I think are going to come up. No, I don't necessarily. Um, I do think that they're pulling a they're pulling a lot of stuff together really quickly here. They're moving really quickly in some areas. Um, the I think like they didn't put a whole lot into like the Nolan Ruby stuff. They're certainly going to explore it more that they've dropped a big bomb on us like that. Um, still hasn't had anything to do. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited that she will, but (laughs) there's, you know, if you're not Pavone, Felicity Ben or Felicity's parents in this episode, you're not getting a whole lot going on, but they had a lot to work through. And I think that one of the strengths of this episode for me is how just so many deep revelations, so many for Felicity as a character, for her to really have a lot to dig through as we proceed into this season. Um, so I do very much like that. I hey, Melissa, remember when we like hadn't started this yet and I said I didn't remember there were actually any scenes with her parents. In them? Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. I had completely forgotten all about her parents. I didn't Season think they were anywhere. Season two is parent heavy for sure. And it's not that they go away after that, but you're not, you know, Edward Porter is living in New York right now. <laughs> well, that's like there's continue, huh? no way to get away from him here. And this first episode back in, you know, season, uh, season two, episode 10, great expectations. When we, they get back into the season, you see more of Edward Porter than like anybody. Um, yeah. So there's a lot. And, you know, they're going to, we won't see this much of her parents forever. That's for sure. But it's, they need they need Felicity to, to develop, and I think they had to go back to the beginning to make some really important shifts happen for her. Um, so I do like all of that. I like that very much, and I'm excited about some of the new characters they're introducing. And there's still more to be had. And yeah, okay. so those are some of some of the things that I'm thinking. Uh, next episode, we're gonna have a. Okay, so it's called Truth and Consequences, which also is very close to the name of a a town in New Mexico, 
that I went to. I was going to say. Mm -hmm. I... Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, but this one is called Truth and Consequences. It's not going to take place in New Mexico, Fish. So where, what do you think is happening in that one? Oh, well, you ruined my first theory. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, usually you hear truth or dare, but like truth and consequences. Well, I'm glad that hopefully Felicity will finally get consequences for something and realize that that's what happens in life. Mm -hmm. um, truth, I mean, seems like there's been a lot of truth already. So, yeah. um, I mean, I know we're, Ben's going to talk to Dr. Pavone. So I think we're going to find out what happened, like what their punishment is, which you already spoiled and told us. Um, and. Oh, did they not say community service? No, they just vaguely said punishment. Oh. They were still okay. trying to decide. <laughs> okay. So I think we'll find out what the consequences are. And then Ben will say some true stuff to to Dr. Pavone and Dr. Pavone will say very truthfully, you're full of shit, Ben. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you have it. I also think there'll be a raccoon. I don't know why. All right. Okay. Well, you've got a lot of really interesting theories here, Fish. And we're just yeah. going to see, I'm going to see what bears out for you here. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all the stuff. Uh, anything we missed here in this episode? Um, I'm going to go with no. Okay. All right. Well, until next time, fish, don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye. I have one. you want to hear a knock knock joke knock knock who's there says fish interrupting cow interrupting cow who moo